Now, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning and early morning for the sports animals. We are back at 6 a.m. Bobby Kern is uh, on the mainland taking care of something for uh, the medical thought, uh, process that he's been dealing with and doing really well. So he'll be back with us on Monday. He'll be out the next three days. So uh, Gary Dickman, Chris Hart will be with us in a few minutes. Tanner Hayworth here in our downtown Paxa studios. We'll be on at 6 a.m. the next couple of days all the way through Friday. And that's good because there is so much to talk about and we're going to get right into it in just a minute. I do want to give us a, a heads up. We've got some Rainbow Wahine volleyball tickets to give out for Friday night's match against UC San Diego. We're going to do one set later in the show, but we will give out a pair coming up in about 30 minutes or so. Uh, won't be a trivia question, just a random caller number, and we'll let you know when that is coming up. But that is ahead on the show, so free tickets is always a good thing. A win is always a good thing. We'll get into that in just a minute. I guess uh, keeping with volleyball about some of the things you need to know. Uh, volleyball's got their last homestand this weekend. You see San Diego, as I mentioned, on Friday, and then Long Beach State on Saturday. That is the end of the regular season, and there are so many possibilities possibilities on where the Wahimi can finish. They're right now in a three-way tie, I guess for second. You could say second or third, but Cal Poly, Long Beach State, and Hawaii all tied, and there is a lot at stake. We'll get more into that throughout the day, and tomorrow Tiff Wells will join us and give us some more on that as well. Football, of course, they left a little earlier this time, and it's kind of cool how they did it because they leave Tuesday instead of normally they leaving on Wednesday for most road trips, but they're not in Wyoming yet. They are in Fort Collins, Colorado, and they will be staying there until Friday, and then I guess they will bus over to Laramie for the game on Saturday. It's a 9 a.m. start, and uh, Hawaii looking to continue this winning streak, hoping to make it three wins in a row. We've got a lot more football coming up. In fact, Mark Veneri will join us coming up in the 8 o'clock hour to give us his thoughts on this game and what took place last week. And we'll also have Nate Kreckman, uh, who's got the Mountain West Football Podcast. He will be joining us in about 30 minutes from now as well. If you do have a comment or a question, 808-296-1420 is the number. And also uh, something you need to know, and you didn't really uh, pay attention. You might not have known that there was kind of a changing of the guard last night in college football as far as the college football playoff committee their weekly playoff rankings and it won't be official until a few weeks from now after championship saturday but georgia took over ohio state to leapfrog them and become the number one team ohio state two Michigan 3 and Florida State 4. Michigan and Florida State stayed where they were. In fact, the top eight stayed where they were, except for Georgia leapfrogging Ohio State. It is a little significant, but it won't be as significant as it would be coming up in December. I believe it's, uh, well, it'll be the Sunday, actually, they'll do it. They've been doing it on Tuesdays for, I believe, six, seven, eight weeks, whatever it is. And then after championship Saturday, the final rankings and bowl setups uh, announcements as far as every single bowl will come out that Sunday, uh, the first Sunday in December, and then we'll have it official. So there's still a lot to play for. There's a lot to be determined because 
That's one of the things I like about the playoff rankings or don't like as well. I like it because it's more official, means more than the polls, uh, which sometimes make you think, how do they vote that way? But it's a collective number of votes that determine who's where. But the playoff rankings, the playoff committee's rankings are the ones that count. But also, so much can change. And that's why I say it doesn't maybe mean as much because until Sunday, December 3rd, they could change. And with the championship games and Ohio State playing Penn State, there's still a lot that can change between now and then. But it is kind of fun to see how it progresses throughout the weeks. And I expect more changes before it is final again on that Sunday, December 3rd. Third thing, and uh, hopefully you were at the Stan Sheriff Center last night, if not listening on ESPN Honolulu, where Hawaii basketball, the men, got their season finally on underway, and they had a nice victory over UH Hilo. The final score, 82-66. to 66. That was a game where, and I said this yesterday on the, sh- on the show, that I wasn't looking as much for the margin of victory. I was hoping it would be a comfortable win, a somewhat easy win, somewhat dominating win. It had a little of all that, but not as complete as maybe I would have liked. And maybe that's a good thing. And the reason I say that is because UH Hilo, you know, and we see this every year with the uh, Division II teams here in Hawaii when they do play UH exhibition or regular season, is that they have no quit in them. They played hard. And really the, the, the size disadvantage for them or advantage for Hawaii was a big factor in this game. Still, they hung tough. At halftime, it was 12 po- a 12-point lead for Hawaii, 35-23. And it got extended. The biggest lead Hawaii had was at 23 points, and that was with seven and a half minutes left. They did have a couple of big runs, 10-0 in the first half, 16-3 in the second half. But Hilo wouldn't go away. And you look at the scoreboard with about two and a half minutes left, and UH Hilo was right in it. They, I mean, maybe not right in it, but they were within distance, within range. Down by 11, down by 12. I mean, I don't think there was any doubt that Hawaii was going to win this game. They did trail once with three minutes gone in the game. 4-2, I believe, was the score then. And other than that, it was UH doing a lot of really good things, which is what you'd expect. Was it a perfect win? No. Was it a perfect game, though? But it was great to see a lot of things play themselves out. And I'm going to give a few examples right now. The starting lineup, as I expected, would be a little bit different than the St. Mary's game. And it was Justin McCoy, who I hope we don't overhype, but I've been guilty of that before. But, uh, you know, coming from North Carolina and Virginia, you have high expectations for him. And I preface that, and I've said this a couple of times, that when we get transfers from Power 5 conferences, it doesn't mean just because they're coming from a Power 5 conference that they're going to be that much better than Big West players or really dominate here at UH. Sometimes it works that way, but they're usually really nice fits. And I can go back to a Jack Purchase, a Noah Allen, Cy Tumala, just to name a few. Those guys have been really good for Hawaii, but they haven't been like, you know, first team all Big West type players, but they've done a really good job. So Justin McCoy comes in, and again, when you hear North Carolina and Virginia, the expectations are pretty high. And in the St. Mary's game a few weeks ago, he came off the bench, did a pretty good job. I can see the talent level there, definitely. Last night, he gets the start. 
and he ended up being Hawaii's leading scorer with 15 points. Also had six rebounds, a couple of assists, and those two assists, both in the first half, I thought he was a really good passer, and that's one thing I think is really important. You know, it's one thing if you can shoot and do a lot of good things, but in this offense, you know, we've had some of the big, whether it's Jankovic from years ago, Jack Purchase, Zygmar Rymo, can be really good passers with some of these bigs. And Justin McCoy, not really a five, although he can play, and we heard Ron say that last night, uh, showed what talent he has, and I really thought he did a really good job, three of six on three-pointers, and just made some really nice plays. Uh, he also had a couple of blocked shots as well, so he was definitely an impact player, shot the ball really well at six of 11. And then I was a little surprised in a way that Matthew Cotton got the start. Nothing against him. He is a grad transfer from Yale. He didn't play against Hawaii last year when Yale played here, I think in mid or late November in the Rainbow Classic, I believe it was. But we know he's got talent, saw a little bit of him in the St. Mary's game, of course, and he started uh, as one of the guard spots last night. He was more of the three, more of the wing with Jovan and Noel in the backcourt, Matthew Cotton listed as a guard. And, you know, he had a decent game. It wasn't where he played bad, but I was a little surprised that he started. I have a feeling that might change in the next day or so, and I'll tell you why in a second. And he was held scoreless, only took three shots last night, uh, had a couple of turnovers, had two steals and three turnovers and four rebounds. But the bright spots, as I mentioned, were Justin McCoy. But here's a name to remember, and I have a feeling you won't have a hard time remembering because I can see, and if anybody watched the game or was at the game last night, you would probably feel the same way about Tom Beatty. He is the true freshman from New Zealand. And he, again, played against St. Mary's. I don't know how many minutes. I don't think it was nearly as many as the 24 that he played last night. Uh, I don't know if he's going to start against Niagara tomorrow. Again, remember, they do have another game tomorrow coming up. It was added last week for Niagara at 7 o'clock. But, boy, this guy's got some game in him. Uh, now, his numbers were really good in themselves, 12 points, four rebounds, a couple of assists. But you could see, you could really see the skill set. There was a play in the second half where he drove the right baseline. And as he went up, he saw that he didn't really have the angle to shoot it straight into the basket from five, six feet. So what did he do? He changed his, you can tell he could change his release to make it a bank shot. And I just thought that was brilliant on his end, where he could adjust midair and change his release point and get off a really good shot like that. That just showed the court sense that he had. He made several plays like that. I, I was really impressed with him. He had a really nice pass, offensive rebound, and a putback as well. Tom Beatty, again, a 6'4 guard, true freshman. And I know it's only one game, and I hope I don't have to say that all the time when we're talking about any team, but specifically with this team. But he, you can see the talent there. Again, what I said about Justin McCoy earlier was based on what you could see with the talent from the St. Mary's game and even more so last night. But Tom Beatty, again, 24 minutes. I would think that going into the game, Iran Gannat maybe wasn't thinking 24 minutes for one of his guards off the bench. But he showed that he deserved it. And I have a feeling he will continue to play 20-plus minutes. And, again, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts, whether it's tomorrow or next week against Northern Arizona. I don't know. And we know that it's not – totally as big of a deal maybe with some teams as far as who starts and who doesn't. It's maybe who plays the most, who's in there at the end of these games. Tom Beatty is going to be an impact player. 
I really, I don't want to overhype him again, but you could really see a lot of good things from him last night. Good shooting. Now, he's only one of four on threes. Okay, I'll give him that. I guess I have to say that. But other than that, I thought he did a really good job. Five of nine shooting, four rebounds. Good passer. Just just the, the maturity for a freshman that he showed. And the court savvy, I guess, is one way of putting it as well, where he could adjust his shots, had really good timing, played well with his teammates. And I, I was really excited about what I I saw from Tom Beatty because I wasn't necessarily expecting that when people ask about the new players for this team to me it's Justin McCoy you're going to keep your eyes on uh, but Tom Beatty is going to be one of those guys as well other than that the same starters that we'd expect with Bernardo Jovan and Noel Coleman and I, I thought Jovan had another typical Jovan McClanahan game uh, directing the offense doing a really good job he only had two assists but I mean this game last night there were Six players with two assists, and then Juan Munoz, we'll get to him in a second, had three. Uh, that's not a bad thing. It's great if you have your point guard being the main assist guy, of course. But when you have other teammates that can get involved with the passing and finding open teammates, that bodes well because the defense can't just try to pressure one guy when other guys can make really good passes as well, leading to high percentage shots, which led for the team shooting exactly 50% on the game, uh, 30 for 60. So Jovan had that move in the first half where he did basically in the same move, kind of two crossovers, really shook the UH guard, and I believe at that time it was Charles LZ III, or the, uh, the third, excuse me, uh, really did a good job. Kind of broke his ankles, as some people would say, and pulled up for a nice shot. We saw so much out of Jovan McClanahan, maybe starting at the diamond head, where all of a sudden he just became a real force offensively. Not that he wasn't previously, but, you know, he struggled at times offensively, and he wasn't able to really get a shot off anytime he wanted in the paint until maybe around Christmas last year, and then for the rest of the Big West season, of course. And he kind of has done the same thing with St. Mary's, and last night he just got that penetration in the paint and that little fadeaway jumper where even though he doesn't have the size that you might want, he's still effective, and you're not going to block that shot, which I think is a true testament to how smart of a player he is as well. Uh, Noel Coleman had a nice game, 10 points, and he did not score against St. Mary's. And he is the leading scorer for the last two seasons for Hawaii. I thought he had a nice game as well. Bernardo da Silva, besides the free throw shooting, I thought did a really good job as well. Nine points, did have seven rebounds, looked really strong down low, which is what you'd expect. And, you know, when I said a few times how UH Hilo is going to be undersized, they were overall, but they didn't have like all, you know, six, four centers or anything like that. There's, they had a center, uh, Pete. Nodrick Pete, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the first name right, but he's 6'11". Uh, he played at New Mexico Military Institute, but he's 6'11". So they had some size. I don't think they matched the skill set that Hawaii's bigs had, but still it wasn't where they were just a real small team and Hawaii was going to have their way with them. Which leads me to the rebound, something I talked about on Rainbow Warrior Countdown with Josh as we do the pregame for an hour before tip-off, that Hawaii hopefully would be able to dominate on the boards because of the size advantage. First half, it was not that at all. Hawaii at halftime only had a two-rebounding lead, 20 to 18, and they were out-rebounded on the offensive glass, 7 to 5, and I pointed that out at halftime. What I thought was really good, though, is in the second half, UH Hilo only got one offensive rebound, only one, 
And I had a feeling Iran was going to address that at halftime, and I have a feeling he did. Hawaii did a much better job in the second half. They out-rebounded Hilo by 10, 21 to 11. So a really good job, and just great to have basketball back. Not the biggest crowd, 1,796 turnstile. Uh, weeknight game, I know we hear that all the time. It's a little different, and usually Hawaii will open up their season on a Friday. That's not the case this year. Uh, I, I was a little surprised that it was that low, but, you know, maybe we can understand that, you know, beginning of the year and a late start. Hopefully fans will take notice and we'll see what it's like for Niagara tomorrow night. And uh, again, to me, it's just great watching basketball in person, seeing th this team that we love so much do well. Uh, again, it wasn't a perfect game by any means, but there were a lot of bright spots. And I'm, I think it's in a way good that they were tested and maybe have some things to work on. We're going to continue with UH basketball talk. We've got UH football talk, of course, to go over. Some news in the NBA, college football, you name it. There is so much to go over. And again, we'll have some volleyball tickets for Friday night. We'll give them out in about 15 minutes from now. There's a new place to catch your favorite NFL games, the Lookout Food and Drink at Waikai in Eva Beach. The doors open bright and early on Sundays at 6.30 a.m. You can enjoy happy hour prices on poo-poo and drinks from 4 to 6 during Monday night and Thursday night NFL football. If your team is losing at least you can enjoy the breeze, the ocean view beach setting at the lookout. I guess technically, is it the Bobby Curran show? Well, Bobby, he's back with us, of course. But for the next couple of days, Gary Dickman, Chris Hart will be with us in a few minutes as well. Sports Animals in the morning will be on at 6 a.m. till 9 uh, today, obviously, in the next couple of days as well. And we will have some volleyball tickets to give out coming up in just a few minutes as well. If you do have a comment or a question, 808-296-1420. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on the basketball game from last night again. It was a nice win. Uh, I mean, the final score, maybe people would say I'd expect them to win by 16, 82-66. But again, it was a little closer, almost too close for comfort in a way with the three or four minutes left. And I think that's credit to Hilo, uh, to them not never quitting. And, you know, they've already had five games, and they have a conference game against Chaminade tomorrow which is crazy. I know that game was uh, moved around a little bit. I always talk about conference play starting earlier and earlier. Well, it's really starting early for the Pac West, at least for Chaminade and UH Hilo. Again, tomorrow night is their conference opener. But for Hawaii, it was great to have them get their game under their belt. Uh, I just want to talk a little bit more about basketball. I want to get to UH football, of course, coming up in just a minute or two as well. Uh, more sec, who great guy, great personality, Got a lot of raw talent, and I'm really watching him closely, whether it's the St. Mary's game or even last night. Uh, you know, he came, come in off, came in off the bench and shot four for four. He had nine points, five rebounds. Uh, he had a couple of dunks, I believe. Had a really nice left-handed block shot where he sent that shot, uh, I mean, straight down and then into the stand. He's got that talent, but I, I know he's, to me, he's got that strength that I'm hoping he can use to his advantage more often than not. And one example was he got a rebound last night, uh, held the ball for about a second, and one of the UH Halo players just knocks it away. And if I'm the opponent, every time Moore gets the ball and he's holding on to it, I'm going to try to knock that ball away. Again, he's got to use his strength. 
a little bit more because he's got a lot of strength. Uh, on the boards, uh, again, he's got the size advantage. He's got probably a strength advantage over many players. And he had five rebounds last night, one offensive rebound there. So I don't think he did a bad job there. But I want to see him use his strength to box out to really be more of a dominant player on the board. And I, I know he's still raw. We had Artie Wilson on our show yesterday morning, and even, you know, Artie brought up the fact that, you know, he's still fairly new to basketball. It's not like he's been playing it his, playing it his whole life. Nothing quite like that. And again, a good player. I, I, I want to see a little bit more from him. And, you know, you, you kind of compare him in a way with Bernardo da Silva over the years. Uh, Bernardo da Silva is fourth year here playing, and he is a senior. Again, nine points for him. But you can see him be a little bit more aggressive you know, finishing some of his moves to the basket where there were times maybe a year or two ago he would make a nice move but not finish strong, not try to draw contact, and I think it hurt him at times. Uh, so a lot of good things from him last night. Again, it was a nice win for UH Hilo. I mean, nice win for UH Manoa. UH Hilo, I hope, will have a nice season. Their record now is still 3-2, and two, and I don't want to get too much into that, but the fact that that was an exhibition game for them last night. And that's happened over the years at times with the D2 schools here. You play them against UH, and some of those games didn't count for the opponent, and that's a side story that, you know, We'll save that for another time. But, again, it was a nice win, and we've got another one tomorrow. If you do have tickets for the Northern Arizona game next Tuesday, and we'll remind you uh, as we get closer to that, that's going to be an 8.30 p.m. start. 8.30 p.m. And the reason for that is because the Maui Invitational, the All-State Maui Invitational, will have four games that day. Hawaii already had a game scheduled against Northern Arizona. It was really hard to change the date, so they just changed the start time there. And again, it'll be an 8.30 start. I am hoping it'll be an 8.30 start in that sometimes when you have four games a day, uh, maybe one game goes to overtime, goes a little bit more than two hours, and they've got space between the games. But the semifinal, the four, oh, I'm not sure if it is a semi, because they uh, change the games as far as Maui. We're not, it's not only the winners playing the late game. For example, the championship game for Maui will be at noon on Wednesday. That's for TV purposes. But the fourth game next Tuesday, the 21st, I'm hoping it'll end on time, and I think it would be scheduled to end around 6.30 or 7. They've got to clear the arena, clean up a little bit, then let the fans come in for the Hawaii game. We saw that on Veterans Day about five years ago when we had the Armed Forces Classic and that doubleheader at the Stan Sheriff Center, and then Hawaii opened up their season after that, and that was about an 8 o'clock or 8.30 start as well. And we'll, we'll remind people about that. Uh, we will have some basketball tickets to give out. We'll, we'll tell you about that a little bit later in the show. I, I love weeks like this when you get so much going on. In a way, I wish they could spread it out because there's going to be some weeks coming up. For example, we only have two more football games left. And I know people are still holding out hope for a bowl game. I, I wouldn't I, I'll follow up on that. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll just explain it now for people who didn't hear it the other day. Hawaii football cannot be bowl eligible. You have to be 500 or better. And the best they can finish is 6-7. and seven. Yes, that has gotten them to a bowl game in the past. If there aren't enough bowl-eligible teams, then they go to the 6-7 and seven teams normally. And if there's like a kind of like a tie between the six and seven teams, I'm not sure what the overall criteria is, but I think it's based on two, two points. One is, I think it's based on your APR. 
you know, go by grade to see uh, how who would qualify over another school if you both have the same record, and that's the way they go down. That that would be one of the ways that you can get in. Uh, but I want to get back to the reason why Hawaii, to me, and a lot of people will not be in a bowl game, even if they finish at six and seven. And I was just told this recently. Josh Pacheco informed me of this, where if they're not an bowl eligible team, and before they go to most school who play 12 games, it might be five and seven, they would go to the six and seven teams, as I mentioned. There's only a few teams, uh, well, probably about 10 or 12 that have played 13 games that played week zero. And if they are not bowl eligible, they might go to down that list to see who's at six and seven. But this year it's a little different because James Madison, who had a really nice win in basketball a few weeks ago over Michigan State on the road, and in football is ranked and actually doing a pretty good job, uh, undefeated, but they're in transition to FBS. They're a new Division I FBS school. So they would not be normally eligible for a bowl game because of that fact, and I don't like that. I understand you know, kind of why they do it. I, I don't think it should be that way, and especially not for a three- or four-year stretch like we're seeing with UC San Diego uh, for the Big West, as an example. But what I'm told, again, is that if they don't have enough bowl-eligible teams, James Madison will get that spot before a 6-7 and seven team. And you know what? That makes total sense. To me, it makes total sense where, again, because of that transition period, I don't know how many years it's been for James Madison now as an FBS school. Still, they, I would think, two years I'm here. Okay, thank you, Tanner. Uh, I think they would deserve it. I like the fact that they would get that spot. I haven't done the math on how many bowl-eligible teams there are and need to be to get 500 to fill all those slots. Uh, but uh, Tanner has that? Yeah, I just had that for you. So that's going to be 58 teams are eligible right now. Okay. So there are 24 slots still open. 24 slots. And then we can, you know, this, for example, even in the uh, Mountain West, there's a whole bunch of teams still trying to be bowl eligible. We'll talk, we'll talk to Nate Kreckman about that coming up a little bit later. Uh, so you still have a lot to play out in the next couple of weeks to fill those 24 spots. I don't know how likely they are to be filled up with those teams, but for example, in the Mountain West right now, you've got San Jose State is 5-5, five and five. Boise State is 5-5, five and five. Utah State is 5-5, five and five. Colorado State is 4-6. and six. Technically, they have a chance if they beat Hawaii in their last game and coming up this week, they have a chance to be bowl eligible, which I think is kind of amazing from where they were projected at the beginning of the season. They got Nevada this week, so they're going to beat Nevada, you would think, which means their game here against Hawaii at the end of the season would be for them to be bowl eligible. Uh, other than that, that's all you have. Other teams that are already bowl eligible, UNLV, Air Force, Fresno State, and Wyoming. Four teams are bowl eligible, but as I just said, we've got uh, five teams, I believe if my math is correct, still fighting for a bowl spot. And uh, if they qualify, great. If they're bowl eligible, if they're not, again, it very, very, very unlikely that it would be the University of Hawaii. Uh, we're getting a text in here at our uh, uh, Zephyr Insurance text line, and it has nothing to do with football in a way, but basketball. Somebody's wondering if I'm going to be hosting UMass for the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. No, I am not. Uh, that was the first team I ever hosted way back in 95. Wow, that was a long time ago. Uh, uh, Sheldon from here from the station will be hosting them. I will be hosting TCU with Jamie Dixon. But that is coming up. Uh, not that far away either, but first things first, we've got UH basketball and football this week. And then, of course, the Maui Invitational getting closer and closer. I can't wait for 
that starting on Monday. Uh, we're going to talk with uh, Nate Crackman coming up next hour about Mountain West football as well. We'll get to more of your texts coming up and volleyball tickets coming up when we return in just a second. Speaking of winning, how would you like to win a $1,000 cash grand prize and a $100 weekly prize in ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. Visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register and enter. Gary Dickman, Tanner Hayworth here, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, Chris will be with us coming up in just a few minutes, and we'll be on again 6 a.m. tomorrow and Friday as well. Bobby back in his chair Monday morning at 6 a.m. It is time now. We've got a couple of sets of volleyball tickets to give out. We'll do one later in the show, but one right now for caller number two, 808. 808- 296-1420, if you would like to win a pair for one of the last two home matches this season, you see San Diego on Friday night at Simplify Arena at the Stan Sheriff Center. One of the last opportunities to see Amber Igidi in a Hawaii uniform. So give us a call, and we'll have a winner coming up in just a few minutes. We'll have some basketball tickets to give out a little bit later, I believe, as well. And uh, uh, again, for basketball tomorrow night, they play Niagara. It's going to be a big weekend, as I said earlier. Uh, It's a great weekend when you have so many different sporting events going on. I'm just talking locally here. And I'm not even talking high school football, though we will get into that a little bit later as well. But you've got basketball tomorrow, as I mentioned, against Niagara. You've got volleyball Friday and Saturday, Long Beach State on senior night on Saturday. Of course, Friday, UC San Diego. And then we've even got Rainbow Wahine uh, basketball. They are starting their home season. And they played on the road last week. I saw Laura Beeman last night. And, uh, you know, she knew how tough it was, and they weren't at full strength, but still has a lot of confidence in her team. They will have a tournament, and they have a nine-game homestand coming up. And they will be playing Friday. And now it's going to be a basketball-volleyball doubleheader, uh, which is kind of cool. And I want to get the exact time. I believe it's going to be at noon against San Francisco. I'll get the exact time here in just a second. But volleyball will be starting at 7 p.m. So basketball, and they've done that a couple of times, and it usually happens around Thanksgiving time where you have a lot of games going on the same day or same weekend. So they kind of have to have some of the games in the daytime. And it will be on Friday against, uh, let me get it here, against San Francisco and it is a, a 2.30 start, not a 2.30 p.m. start. We'll have Dave Kawada and Callan Spiller on the call. In fact, Callan will join us Friday morning to talk about Rainbow Wahine basketball as well. And just talking to Laura Beeman last night, she was saying San Francisco is good. And one of the things they're really good at is in transition and running. They like to run often, early and often. So that'll be a test for Hawaii. Uh, we're hopeful, and I didn't ask her about this. I know you can't really talk about it, but for Lily Wahini Kapu back, she did not play last Saturday against Santa Clara, and we're hoping that she will be back. Others have told me that they are hopeful that she will be back in action this week. But they will be playing in the Bank of Hawaii Classic Friday at 2.30 against San Francisco. Cal State Fullerton and Idaho are also here. And you might be thinking, well, Cal State Fullerton's in the Big West. They won't be playing each other. Hawaii and Cal State Fullerton won't play. So on Sunday, 
uh, the Rainbow Wahine basketball team will go up against Idaho, and that'll be a 5 p.m. start. Uh, I don't want to get too confusing with everybody, but the week after they've got another tournament, and the big team coming in then will be Washington. So uh, a lot to go on. Again, as I said, a busy weekend, and that's just for UH. Of course, the football team on the road. Imagine if they were at home this week. Uh, I, mean, I wouldn't mind it. Uh, I'm sure they wouldn't mind it either because Wyoming's going to be a little colder and the elevation, of course, 7,000 feet plus up. And uh, the weather we hear uh, will be probably around the high 40s at kickoff. We're going to have one of their beat writers on our show tomorrow for Wyoming. Uh, couldn't get the coach on, Craig Bowles. I mentioned a few days ago the, the, the message I got back from his office is that his schedule doesn't permit him to do radio interviews during the season. TV, I guess, is okay. They have a weekly press conference on Monday, but no radio. But, you know, that happens with some teams, so can't really fault him. And it's a, it's a big game for them as well, so I know they're getting ready for Hawaii. And uh, I'm, I'm sure Cam Stone will probably give Hawaii some insight on the players, some of their schemes, even though things will be a little bit different. And uh, maybe even how to handle the altitude maybe better than others. I mean, Hawaii's been there a number of times, so it's not anything so new to them. But, I mean, Cam Stone played there for a few years. He'll probably have maybe a little bit better a grip on how to handle the altitude. By the way, we do have a winner of the Rainbow Wahine Volleyball tickets for Friday night. Congratulations, Isaac from Eva Beach. Uh, he was caller number two, so he's got those tickets for Friday night. We will have another pay. We'll probably do them in the 8 o'clock hour. So if you didn't win now, you have a chance to win a little bit later in the show. 808-296-1420 is our phone number, our text number. You know, I just want to get this out because uh, I know we don't talk too much NBA this time of the year, and I understand why. I mean, I love it, but there's so much other things going on. It may be a little bit more important because of the point of the seasons college football and the NFL are in, high school football as well. But last night, uh, and Cole Malsall first told me about this when I got ready for the UH uh, Rainbow Warrior Countdown is that uh, Golden State of Minnesota had a little bit of extracurricular activity. In fact, after the game, driving home, listening to our station ESPN Honolulu, they were talking about three different situations in the NBA last night where extra physical activity was going on. But I just want to key on Draymond Green. I don't know if everybody saw this highlight, and it's not really a highlight. It's a low light, maybe. But uh, it was Clay Thompson and uh, Jaden McDaniels, who used to play here in the Diamond Head for Washington when I hosted them. He's in his like third year, I believe, now. And him and Clay Thompson got tangled up a minute and a half into the game, and they were grabbing each other. Jerseys got ripped, and it looked like some punches might have been thrown, not landed maybe. But Rudy Gobert came in from Minnesota to try to break it up. And then Draymond comes in and puts Rudy Gobert in a chokehold. That is something you usually don't see in NBA fights or the pushing and shoving or anything that goes on like that. That was a little bit over the top to say the least, even for Draymond. And the thing about it was he didn't let go for quite a while. I mean, it wasn't where he just choked him and pulled him off. He grabbed him, kind of dragged him a few feet away from what was going on and back to the war back to the warrior bench. And the reason I bring it up, because not so much that it's Draymond, but probably, I mean, it is because it's Draymond. I mean, he got ejected on Saturday, I believe after getting into it with Donovan Mitchell of Cleveland. And he got ejected because it was a second technical. But he went over the top this time. I think he deserved a pretty good suspension. I don't. I haven't heard anything yet if that's what the plans are for the NBA. This is a little bit different than just getting a flagrant two and getting ejected. You, you have a, your arm around a guy's throat. 
And, you know, Rudy Gobert said, I, you know, it wasn't like it was that strong of a choke where I was going to go to sleep, but that's what he was trying to do. That's in Rudy Gobert's words. And Rudy Gobert, I don't, I mean, I give him credit for holding, um, you know, holding his composure, I guess, because he had his arms up in the air like, I'm out of this, I'm not doing anything, and still Draymond didn't let go for a while. Now, Steve Kerr kind of defended him after the game, which I didn't like, and I love Steve Kerr, but I didn't like that as well, saying that Rudy Gobert had his hands around Clay Thompson's neck or throat. I, don't, I didn't see that, and it might have happened. I wasn't looking for that. I read Steve Kerr's comments late last night. But Draymond went over, overboard last night. You, you don't do that. I mean, throwing punches is bad. You deserve a suspension as well. I actually like Draymond Green a lot as a player. I think he's a really intelligent guy. I know he goes overboard too often. And he costs his team a little too often. He costs his team Kevin Durant from a few years ago. We all have heard or read those stories. That's the main reason Kevin Durant left. He might have left anyway. But with Draymond Green, uh, their chemistry deteriorated. We, see, we saw Draymond Green get into it with Jordan Poole uh, before this season last year. And in George, uh, Draymond Green's word, that kind of cost them their season. They never had the chemistry down. The veterans were on one side. The young guys were kind of on Jordan Poole's side. Getting back to last night, what Draymond did was uncalled for, to say the least. And I really hope the NBA does take action against Draymond Green. Again, I like him as a player a lot. I really do think he's a smart player. I love guys that don't just rely on overall talent. And I, I've said often, like a guy like Charles Barkley, Charles Barkley, Charles Oakley and Barkley, but Charles Oakley was one of my all-time favorite players. He just played super hard, gave it his all, real physical, real smart. Now, some guys are going to be like a LeBron, like a Jordan, like a Kobe, like a Steph Curry. You know, they just have so much talent, and it's not like they were born with it. They work at it and give them credit, of course, for how good they are. But guys that play smart basketball can do it defensively where not everybody does that. I admire those guys maybe a little bit more. And that's what I think about Draymond Green. Last night, though, he went too far. And I really am hopeful that the NBA sends a message because if they don't, they're just going to keep on doing it. One more quick NBA note. I, I don't want to spend too much time on the NBA, but I mentioned Jordan Poole. And I saw a video as either on Instagram or TikTok over the weekend where Jordan Poole now with the Washington Wizards. And now I can understand a little bit more why Draymond and others didn't want him around Golden State. And I remember saying it when he had that good playoff series when they won the championship. You know, he had a really good month. He was going to cash in because they had a chance of losing him, and they had to pay him. But he wasn't a great player yet. He wasn't on that level. But he had a really good month in the playoffs, so he knew he was going to get money. And I think part of it went to his head, part of the reason he and Draymond got into it last year. So he's with the Wizards, and they call a timeout the other night in a game, and it was mic'd up somehow. And he's not paying attention. He's standing up. And he's looking at the, the wizard dancer, dance girls, or whatever they're called. And assistant coach on the bench saw him looking away and kind of snapped his fingers like, hey, get back in it. And Jordan Poole turned back a little bit, paid attention. Then he started talking to a teammate and, again, was not paying attention. And somebody said something to him. He goes, this is my team. This is my team. I know what's going on, saying he doesn't have to be there for the timeouts. I don't have the exact words. I'm paraphrasing, and I'll try to look it up later. He looked really bad in that situation. They come out of the timeout, and another teammate is whispering to him because he missed a play that the coach was calling for coming out of the timeout. So he's like leaning over with his eyes trying to look at the clipboard to see what play was called because he had no idea because he wasn't paying attention. Things like that should tell you enough about some player like a Jordan Poole 
why they have a lot of talent. And I just mentioned a minute ago, I like players that just that don't just rely on talent, but you know, being smart, a smart basketball player, a mature player, a team player. And Jordan Poole is not that. When he's saying it's his team already, now he might be end up being their best player and leading scorer because they've lost so much. Although Kyle Kuzma, I think, is a better player, better scorer. Uh, but Jordan Poole, I, I hate that attitude. I don't know if it's a sense, uh, sense of entitlement, but sometimes when you get the big contract and you've made it, you know, in the pro sports, whatever it is, baseball, basketball, football, or hockey, uh, maybe you get a little complacent. Maybe a little cocky, a little arrogant, and I think that's what Jordan Poole is dealing with. That was just a really ugly sight. If you get a chance, you could probably Google it, Jordan Poole in the timeout the other day and what he was saying. Purely poor, I think, on his part. We'll take a quick break. We're going to come back. We'll go over some of your texts. And if you have a phone call, if you have, uh, want to comment with a phone call, we'll get to those as well. And we'll have a lot more UH football and basketball talk coming as well. This is the Sports Animals in the Morning on ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman, Tanner Hayward, Chris Hart will be with us in just a few minutes. The Sports Animals in the morning. We'll get to some text. And, of course, if you have a phone call, if you have a comment, you can give us a phone call at 808-296-1420. I do want to go back for a second and talk about the college football playoff rankings. As I mentioned earlier, uh, the only change, and it's probably somewhat significant, Georgia moved into number one over Ohio State. Uh, Georgia beat Ole Miss last weekend. You know, nice win. Ole Miss is a ranked team. And uh, we know about Ohio State, and they'll have the big game against Michigan, so that'll sort itself out a little bit later in two weeks. But one of the things I don't agree with, and I've been saying this for a few weeks, is number four and number five. Florida State has been number four for basically since the rankings came out a few weeks ago. Washington, I don't know if they started at five, but they are five right now. Both teams, of course, undefeated. And... Here's where I see a difference there. Uh, first of all, I think the Pac-12 is better than the ACC. The ACC, I mean, the, the teams that are usually really strong, like Clemson and maybe Miami, are not right now. Uh, it's really just Florida State. But they've only beaten one top 25 team all year, and that was back in week one against LSU, that Labor Day weekend game. And it was a good win for them, sure. And they're a good team. Jordan Travis is a really good quarterback. Now, I look at Washington, they have beaten three top 25 teams, and they've got a couple more coming up. Uh, and they'll have Washington State in a few weeks. Washington State has really dropped off the radar. They were ranked, you know, the top 15 or 16 about a month ago, and they even lost to Cal over the weekend. They've lost to basically everybody in the last month. But Washington, to me, with the eye test, is better than uh, Florida State. And if you go by that criteria, if you're trying to compare which team is better, I wonder why Florida State is ranked higher. Uh, again, both undefeated. Pac-12, and maybe it's a hard, it's a, it's a good debate and maybe a hard one to really be definite about as far as which league is better. But, I mean, at the Pac-12 might not be bottom-heavy, you know, bottom but top-heavy, you, you've got the Utah. And USC has really kind of fallen apart of late. But you got USC and UCLA. you got Oregon, Oregon State, both ranked. And Oregon State is really good this year. <clears throat> I think that's Washington's next game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you you got Utah, as I mentioned, is ranked. Arizona uh, now getting in there as well. The ACC, I mean, I know Duke and Carolina have been good. 
but to me, they're not big, big wins. If you're looking at the, you know, comparing the resumes of Florida State and Washington. Now, if they both win out, which which will say a lot. Now, Florida State, let's say, goes to the ACC championship game. They might have already clinched a spot. Uh, and I haven't looked who they will play. I don't think it'll be necessarily Clemson, who's you know playing better of late. Still, you know, not the Clemson we remember from a few years ago, the playoff team that we remember for Clemson. They're not going to the playoffs. They'll be in a bowl game, though. But I don't know who they're going to go up against in the ACC. And they they did away with the divisions. It's like one league now, so it's just the top two teams, kind of like the Mountain West. And then you look at Washington, if they win out, well, they're going to beat Oregon State if they continue to win out. And then the Pac-12 championship game, uh, I don't know. They probably would have to play Oregon a game again, uh, the way I saw it, the way I saw it like a week ago, and I believe it's still the same. That, to me, would be your bigger win because if you're Washington at number five, you're beating number six in Oregon, where if you're Florida State, who are you beating in that top 25? Uh, for the ACC championship game. I, I know, again, they'll have uh, Florida coming up, their rivalry game uh, coming up after Thanksgiving, but I don't know who their other tough game is going to be against, including the ACC championship. When I look at the top 25 in the college football playoff ranking, Notre Dame, which is in the ACC in football, is number 19, but I don't think they would play them for the ACC championship. North Carolina is up there at number 20. We'll see how it plays out. We're going to take a break. We'll get you caught up with traffic, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Chris Hart will be with us. Got a lot more UH football talk, volleyball tickets to give away. Nate Kreckman talking Mountain West football as well. Here with the Sports Animals in the Morning on ESPN Honolulu. Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Sports Animals in the Morning on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. It's Sports Animals time. Well, you've had a Sports Animal on for the last hour. It's uh, Chris Hart joining the party here now on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. Happy hump day. Uh, here's some things we're going to follow for the rest of the day. University of Hawaii basketball, of course, gets their first win of the season in their first game against UH Hilo. 82-66 was the final. It wasn't a perfect game by any means, but it was a lot of bright spots, and it was a win. And I saw some players that are new players look really, really good, like Justin McCoy and the new player that I don't think people might have expected as much, but Tom Beatty, remember that name? He had a really good game, true freshman from New Zealand off the bench. Really impressed with him. We'll get back into that in uh, just a second. I did get some news, and now I lost it, and then I found it again. Uh, Coach Cool uh, signed his uh, recruiting class for the 2025 season. That doesn't make sense. Maybe that's a typo. But um, this is this, remember when we were talking about the uh, the NLI signing day at uh, the Sheraton last week, or was it a couple of weeks ago? It was last week. It was last week. We had a bunch of uh, softball signees from really the, some of the powerhouses in softball uh, in uh, in high school here. 
And uh, congratulations. Uh, five of the six signees are local products. Uh, Jada Absidi, a uh, middle infielder slash outfielder from uh, Campbell High School. Sonny Kahanu, a uh, center fielder shortstop from Mililani High School. Colby Kochi, uh, first and third baseman from Mililani. Also, Kiani Taylor Soller, a pitcher and outfielder from Kamehameha. Kennedy Thompson is the only non-local, a 5'6 outfielder from Santa Clara, California. And Kiara uh, Leituiloma, a 5'9 outfielder from Kapole High School. So congratulations. Shout-outs to the ladies and their families. Uh, Coach Rose doing a great job out there in Mililani, sending us some good product there to the University of Hawaii. Yeah, and I remember when Bob was Bob Coolen was on with us last Thursday, he was mentioning that some of those letters of intent, there was something going on with the paperwork or getting the official documents in, and that's why he couldn't talk about them last Thursday, but now it is official for the 2025 season, as you mentioned. All right, uh, a little later on today, I want to be uh, tracking our NFL Hawaiians. Not going so well for a lot of them. Yeah, I feel bad for it. One guy I think about is Kaimi Fairbairn for Tex, the Houston Texans. He's now on IR. And a couple of weeks ago, he gets injured during the game. They brought up one of their defensive players who kicked a field goal. And then they got somebody who they signed last week, Amadola. I might be having his name wrong. And he did really well for them last week, including a game winner. But hopefully, Kaimi will be back. And he's having a good year. He'll be out for four games, of course. And they could be in the playoffs. So he's a pretty cool story to see. Other players, though, Marcus Mariota. Every week when I read about him, it's like he was active but did not play. I don't think anybody should have expected him to play much right. for Philadelphia. He's a, but but he's a backup quarterback. Yeah. Most backup quarterbacks on the, uh, during the day were active but did not play. But when you look down, I'm just looking at the, uh, the NFL Islanders list that they put out on Monday mornings in the Honolulu Star Advertiser, and these, these words keep you have all these guys. Oh, look at this long list. But it's followed by words like inactive, waived. Inactive, injured reserve, practice squad, inactive, inactive. And so it's, uh, you know, it's not like, a you know, some kind of epidemic on the way or anything, but uh, just kind of notice that. All right. Uh, Also, you know, we haven't done in a long time, Gary. Uh, we haven't looked at the bottom ten in college football. That's always kind of fun. Because we're not in it, that's why. That's I right. That's right. <laughs> Good point, yeah. We get to laugh at others. Ha, <laughs> you guys saw. <laughs> anyway, we'll do that. Uh, and like you said, uh, Nate Kreckman, the utmost authority on Mountain West uh, football, is going to be joining us in 30 minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. So let's go. Hey, get your texts and calls in at 808 296 1420 uh, talking about Rainbow Warrior basketball tonight on a Tuesday against a Division II opponent. I'm guessing the attendance was kind of what you probably would guess it would be, right? Yeah, I was hopeful for 3,000, and it was 1796 turnstile. So I guess starting on a weeknight, maybe people didn't remember the basketball season was about to start. But, yeah, it's kind of what you would expect in that range. I was hoping for a little bit more, hopefully more tomorrow. Well, yeah, and, you know, it's – Remember, the bandwagon jumpers haven't had a time, haven't had a chance to kind of get ready for this. You'll have Hawaii winning three or four games, and they'll go, "Hey, that's a hot ticket. Let's go. Got any tickets?" Right? Yes, that's always the case. It is. It is the case. But uh, you mentioned uh, Tom Beatty. Yeah. And uh, that so that guy comes out. 
And I'm immediately going, okay, look here, Rook. You don't get to wear super bright, shiny shoes. <laughs> Nobody knows who you are. They were now, nice. What's that? They were nice. They were very nice. But maybe a little premature in your career to be wearing the best shoes on the court. Let Jovan McClanahan be the flashy guy. Okay, you said that to yourself, but after the game, did you feel the same way after watching him? I said, you the man, I want to take a <laughs> selfie with you. I want to take a selfie with you. I want you to like me, and I want you to be my friend. I did the whole Gary Dickman thing right then, then and there. I'll talk to him about it. Do you, you need a ride anywhere? Can I give you a ride somewhere? When you see me in public, can you give me a what's up? Can you do it in front of a bunch of people at the basketball arena so they think I'm important? Well, you have to actually show up I at a game of. to get all that, you know, in your favor, in your corner there. But again, he, I thought he had a really good game, and the numbers were good, but it wasn't just the numbers. You watched the way he played. He's a smart basketball player. And in the one game, didn't see him much against St. Mary's, but in the one game that we have seen, he didn't seem like a freshman to me either. I think he's going to be – I, I think he has the chance to be a pretty special player for Hawaii. You know, that's kind of a bad label to, call, to say about someone. He didn't look like a freshman. There are freshmen all over the country, freshman basketball players, that quote-unquote don't look like freshmen. Not in the they Big just West. don't usually come to Hawaii. Or right, the, Big the Big West. Right, right. Right. But, um, uh, yeah, so Tom Beatty. But, I mean, where, who is he going to play in front of? That's the only thing. I think thing. he will start. I think he, again, in my opinion, I didn't hear Iran talk about it. I think he would start over Matthew Cotton. Uh, who started last night. Even if he doesn't start, he had 24 minutes last night. I have a feeling, based on his performance from last night, we'll see him for at least that much, if not more, coming up. Would you make a change in the very next game, or do you give Cotton a little bit more of a leash? You can do it either way, but uh, if you're looking for the – I mean, you're still kind of experimenting, just right. like the St. Mary's game where Harry Ruliadef and Ryan Rapp started in that game. I didn't expect that to happen last night. But if you're looking for the best unit, yeah, I think Tom Beattie showed, Tom Beattie showed a lot last night. And, I mean, nothing against Matthew Cotton. He didn't have a great game, but, you know, uh, didn't shoot often. Uh, had a couple of – had three turnovers, in fact. I don't think he had a bad game again, but Tom Beattie is a better player from last night, from one game at least. And, again, you can see the skill set there. So, again, even if he doesn't start, I think he's going to get some major minutes either way. You know who Tom Beattie is to me? Tom Beattie is going to remind us maybe of um, – what's his name who thought he was really good, but he wanted to start and he went to Dixie Tech or whatever. Bayon Riley? Beyond Riley? Yeah. He's an energy guy. He reminds me of Beyond Riley. He comes into the game, and he's no scared, brah. No scared. I mean, he's going to attack the basket. He's already got more of a mature body than most freshmen you would see in the Big West. I mean, he's a guy that's not afraid. He's going he's gonna to come in and give instant hustle, instant energy, and pick up the team. I mean, if that's his role this year, not bad. Not bad at all, Coach Gannat. He's a better offensive player, I would say, even now than Beyond Riley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you yeah, know why yeah. I wanted to start also? I believe this would only be the second time in UH basketball history, and this is a weird, fun stat. If he starts, then they would be starting number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. 
because he's wearing number two. Jersey number is your jersey number. Although if you look at Matthew, well, yeah, Matthew Cotton is you know he's eleven. But if you have the same five numbers, it happened with the Hiram Thompson years. I remember they started that as well. And Who's Hiram Thompson? Hiram was a point guard for Hawaii. I think he broke his arm at one point uh, during his senior you year. Mean the defensive back from Kahuku? Hiram Thompson? No. Mm. I don't know who you're thinking of, but uh, there's a defensive back. Oh, named Hiram. Oh no, Thompson. I'm thinking of Hiram Peters. Sorry. Yeah, uh, but anyway, uh, what years did Hiram? I don't remember. How, what years are we Gibb. talking he about? He played with Gibb under Gibb, and I don't think he played under Nash. But he, you know, eight years ago, maybe you don't remember him? No. Oh, but anyway, and I remember he played on senior night. He played for the jump ball, and then they committed a foul and took him out of the game. So he gave. Who his else relation. was on that team? Oh boy. Um. I, I, have, I have to think. I'm not sure. But they started – I remember there was a kind of a cool thing where they started number one through five. Uh, so if Tom Beatty gets to start, they would do that. And, again, that's not the biggest part of what we saw last night with him. Even if he doesn't start, as I said, I know he's going to play probably a lot of minutes. And that's a lot of minutes for off the bench, 24 minutes last night. And he deserved it. The reason he played that many minutes, you could see how smart of a player he was. I mentioned last hour there was one move in the second half which really stood out to me. He, he drove right baseline, and he went up for a shot, and one of the bigs for UH Hilo got in his way. So he was ready to go up for a straight-up shot, and in midair he adjusted and changed it to a bank shot just to avoid the defender. That's a smart player right there. Right. Well, there's also the guy that's strong enough to go up on a layup uh, as he's being defended putting it up, making contact, laying it in with his left hand. Yeah, I remember I, I, Yeah, I remember that. I got some really good passes on his end. I thought he showed a lot. Uh, I, I really liked his game last night. And I'm not going to keep saying it was only one game, but you could see that he has talent and that he's a smart basketball player. And again, for a true freshman, uh, hopefully that will be something where he continues to get better and improve. But I have a right. feeling the fans are going to become more familiar with him and he's going to start getting major minutes, whether it's off the bench or as a starter. Almost instantly. Now, this is against UH Hilo, but UH Hilo had a couple of sporty players. Yeah. I mean, UH Hilo had a player that could play uh, for University of Hawaii uh, when you uh, look at um, uh, Charles Elsey. I mean, that guy is a Division One player playing in Division Two. But um, you've um, with Hawaii's kind of a guy that really stood out to me compared to last year was Harry Ruliadef. You know, a couple of those threes in the corner. He was uh, two of three from three-point land uh, from there in the corner. Had a few um, had a few rebounds. Uh, Harry Ruliadef looked a lot more confident. Now, here's what Harry needs to do. Harry needs to work on the look a little bit. He's looking a little bit too much like uh, Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man. You know when Artie says you need to get a little dog in uh -huh. you? He's not looking dog. Now at least Beatty comes out and says, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna wear little Matt Gibson's number, right? And, yeah, and, you yes. know, Matt Gibson wow. is a dog. I'm gonna wear little Matt's number. And then I'm gonna go up and wear these bright shiny shoes and have everyone go, Who are you? And then I show up with my cape and I say, That's who I am. Booyah. So Harry now Harry's already got two things going against him. Number one, Harry. Number two, Rulia Death. So he needs some kind of nickname. He needs a mohawk or something. He needs to look like he's something out of one of the players from Major League, the movie, the baseball movie. That's what we need in uh, Harry Rulia Death. So that's going to be a work in progress. Maybe he because should start. Because his game matches it. Mm. The look doesn't match it. 
Maybe you should start by not shaving for a while, get that nasty look. You know, that'll help just, you know, for, for the initial stage. At I'm least. questioning if he can grow a beard. I was about to say that as well. I'm questioning that myself. <laughs> that anyway, might be a problem. Anyway, let's continue. We'll take some texts if you want, guys. Text in. What do you think of the game? And, you know, I thought Hilo was good. Yesterday I mentioned that uh, they were picked to finish 10th in the uh, PacWest Conference. And maybe because they got a bunch of new players that nobody knows about or something like that. You were saying you thought it was third? I saw on their game notes where the I'm not sure if it was the media or coaches poll, but they were picked third. I see I could be I could be wrong on that. I could be wrong on that. But anyway, uh, we'll check it out. This is a pretty good basketball team, man. Yeah, they're gonna they're hard. gonna they're gonna rack up some wins. Yeah, I, Plus, I, I was happy with that. They them got anyway, a coach yeah. they got a coach that uh, 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 what's his last name? Iona. Iona. Okay. Coach Iona. Kaniella. Kaniella Iona? Yes, yes. Okay, so Kaniella Iona. In the great words of the late Robert K. Kaula, I wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alley. Right? Yeah. That's a big dude, man. I didn't realize he was that big either until last night. I met until him he's towering up. over yeah. his, his threes and his, you know, his, his power forwards. He and Rob Jones of Hawaii, I mean, those are two big body players, ex-players now, I guess, yeah. Those yeah, guys I big. wouldn't want to meet him. Rest in peace, Robert K. Kaula. Yeah. Robert used to always say that. Remember during football yeah. games? Wouldn't want to meet him in a dark right, alley. Right, right. It's 16 minutes after the hour. It's going to be cloudy and windy again today. Uh, we'll check your traffic momentarily here on ESPN Honolulu. Now, coming up on uh, Tuesday, it is a the new show called The Student Section with your hosts, Cole Mausolf and Miss Hawaii Star Doll Thurston. They'll be your hosts down at Autosource Carousel on the corner of um, uh, Kapilani Boulevard and Keiamoku. And uh, special guests will be, um, they will be volleyball sensations, the state champs from Kamehameha, Adriana Arquette oh, wow. and Emma Lilo. Uh, Arquette going to the University of Hawaii, Lilo going to Oregon State, I believe, uh, going off of the photos <laughs> that were sent to me. And then also uh, we've got from the University of Hawaii, uh, Piper Neri, who is a great story from UH Softball, and Maya Bethea. The biggest power hitter in the Big West. All on the student section, Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Brought to you by, of course, Auto, Car- Auto Source Carousel and Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. Good morning. Hope you're having an excellent day. It's going to be a good morning, Tacoma. <laughs> Cloudy and windy today. Uh, we're the sports animals, of course. This is ESPN Honolulu. And um, we've got Kyler hanging out on the uh, phone. Kyler, thank you for listening, and thank you for calling in. Go ahead. What's up, guys? Went to the game last night. Thought it was a good game. I wanted to get your opinion. To me, it looked like they were trying to play small last night. Uh, bringing in the guys that they had uh, was a good lineup. <clears throat> I think eventually we might see Munoz getting more play time and maybe uh, sharing that playing time with Coleman. Coleman just seems to still be in that slump from last year. What do you guys mm. think? I thought you know, had- first of all, with his foot, you're playing small. Uh, yeah, and, and I was waiting for a while. I don't know if you were, Gary, going, where's more sack? Where, where's more sack? He was like the... <clears throat> 
ninth guy off the bench or something. But your thoughts, Gary? I, I thought they started but, off small with Cotton as the third guard. Uh, but Juan Munoz, uh, Iran Gannat said yesterday when he talked with Josh that, you know, they're going to navigate his minutes, not give him too much too soon. But he was the first player off the bench, like three minutes into the first half, coming in for Noel Coleman. And I thought he did some good things, but I'm not sure if he's going to take minutes away from Noel Coleman. Noel Coleman had a good game. Uh, he had 10 points, uh, three rebounds, a couple of assists. Four for 10 shooting isn't great, but it's not bad. He did have some tough stretches last year. You're right. I don't know if Juan Munoz is going to take minutes away from the well. I think they will add him to that mixture of the really good backcourt. They did go small a couple of times where Justin McCoy, as Chris said yesterday, might happen. He played the five. Uh, Aron said Harry yeah. might play the five at times. I heard him say that in the post game. But they can go small against a Hilo team maybe more than they can do that against some of the other opponents. And then I think when they go big, that's when they'll bring in Seth McCoy, the Silva, and then from there they'll go with the two guards, McClanahan and maybe either Munoz or Coleman. But I want to say one thing that I noticed last night. Last year, watching Seth, after going up and down the court a couple of times, he was really gassed. But last night, he looked like he's in really good shape. So kudos to the coaches for getting that guy in shape because – they're going to need him to go up and down the court more than uh, last year. He was gassed just going up and down a couple of times. Yeah, he lost Excellent. weight. He lost weight, better shape. You're right. Hey, thanks, Kyler. Thank you thanks. for listening this morning. We appreciate it. Hey, keep listening, folks. We are going to give away Rainbow Wahine volleyball tickets. Uh, this is for Friday's match against uh, UC San Diego. Yes. Um, um, more sec. Yeah, more sec. Look, I can't. To me, it looks the same as last year, but you follow it closer than I do. But you know what? Before we go on with more on University of Hawaii, let's talk about Hilo just a little bit. Nate Kreckman's going to join us in 10 minutes. Another traffic update in six. That's a pretty good Hilo basketball team. Those guys no scared, bro. I mean, these guys, this uh, Kalik Mitchell. Kalik Mitchell, that was the guy with the beard. I mean, that guy was not a. That guy could be a Division One player, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, these yeah. guys played with a little swagger, right? There was one a little attitude. There was one uh, possession in the second half. There was a free throw. It was a two-shot free throw, and after the first miss, he grabs a rebound, and the ref's saying it's two shots, and he goes, oh, "I thought it was one and one." He looks at Moore. You thought it was one and one too, and Moore goes, "Yeah, I thought it was." I followed you. You could read their lips, and then he was asking other people. You guys all thought it was one on one. So I like the way he kind of interacted with the Hawaii team. But you're right, I like that guy. He was a good right. player and, for them. But what that shows you is that that guy's relaxed. He's having fun out mm. there. And I saw the. I couldn't. I don't read lips. Uh, but I saw the the uh, interaction between those guys because at first I was like, "Dude, what are you? You? It's." Two shots. What are you doing talking to anybody? But when you say it that way, you go, "Oh, okay, the guy's just having fun." From my view, I'm like, "Oh, this guy's, get, you know, this guy's, you know, arguing something like that." What, what is there to argue? But uh, Kalik Mitchell, number eleven, that was the guy. Number zero, Amiri Crowder. Uh, he only played 21 minutes, but when that guy was in, he was smooth, man. Yeah, they, they looked like a good team. I hope they do well in the Pac West. And, again, they've got five games under their belt before last night, so maybe a little bit more insane. But there's talent there. I mean, to me, one of the big differences is the size. Even though they did have a 6'11 player who started, Pete, uh, they don't usually have as tall of a team as, you know, Hawaii does. And I think that came into play more in the second half when they got out-rebounded by 10. But there was some talent on that team, and they played hard. They didn't give up. That game was kind of over 10 minutes left in a way, but they chipped it down. I think they got to within 11, 
maybe even 10 like that. with three or four like minutes that. left and give them credit for not quitting. I like that out of them. Right. Charles Elzey, it's – dude, I mean, I don't want to say anything against uh, 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 Coach Iona. I don't want him to come looking for me. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Charles Elzey, that's a transfer portal candidate right there. That guy's a good player, man. I mean, 8 of 15 from the floor, 50% three-point shooter, uh, 80% – uh, free throw shooter last night, 23 points, uh, got a couple of steals. I mean, he's he a full-grown man. He had a really good game. He's a grad transfer from the College of Idaho, so I guess this would be his last year. But he was a good oh, player, okay. though, you're right. But he also went to some community college before that. And it's like, wow, I wonder why he couldn't find a home. But uh, anyway, I'm gonna well, let's keep an eye on that guy. Let's let's take a selfie with him next time he comes to Oahu. Well, he'll be here let's for another couple like of days. Us. He plays. They play Chaminade tomorrow night in their Pac West opener. So, oh, I'd like to see that. Well, we got like Hawaii Niagara game. at the same time, but yeah, that'd be probably a good, really good game for both teams, of course. All right, eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty is the Zephyr Insurance text line if you want to text in. Do we got time for a couple of texts before Nate comes on? I think we do. Okay, let's look at this here. Da 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 da. Congratulations to the UH men's hoops for their opening night victory. But let's also give some love to the Vulcans, Kaniala Iona. And his associate head coach, Jameson Montgomery, has established quite the roster. In the end, UH's depth and size got the best of him. But make mis- no make, make no mistake, I believe they mean to say about it, Hilo got a roster. Their point guard is outstanding. Uh, more people uh, agree on uh, on the Hilo Vulcans. So when you say, oh, playing Division Two, like I did, you know, look at the Hilo team. You're like, hey, that was a good team we played, played last night. It was one thing that's interesting, one stat, they didn't have any assist at halftime. Not one. They had three for the game. Uh, again, that rarely happens. And they still played, you know, pretty competitive, of course, as we mentioned. But that is the number that really stands out without a, an assist in the first half. Mm. Uh, this one says, UH basketball team is still a work in progress. Oh, of course it is. Uh, how many turnovers did we have? We had too many turnovers. 11, seven in the first half and 11 for the game. That's not horrible, is it? No, seven in the first half was too much, though. But 11 oh. for the game is a lot better, of course. All right, so uh, UH basketball team still a work in progress. The schedule will help this team grow together. Once they gel, this team has lots of potential going into Big West play. I agree 100%. Easy to see that this team not only uh, is pretty good with whoever's going to be the starters, they got a lot of depth. It's going to be a bummer for some guys who don't get to play as much as they'd like, as much as they should on another team. And Iran mentioned that after the game when he said that's gonna, that's when you're going to have some decisions to make when some of these guys step up who were coming off the bench last night, whether it's a Morsek or a Harry Ruliadef or anybody else like Tom Beatty. See, I I'm not sure if I would consider them a work in progress as much as most seasons for two reasons. One, they played in Japan, had five, six games, so they had a little bit of time to get together and know mm-hmm. each other and get acclimated. And they've got nine returning players from last year that know everything they need to know. Right, but I think what we're work in progress in this case, I think, is more of something like um, they, they got to figure out who's going to start. True, true. How much playing time does this guy get? 
Yeah. Do we yeah. redshirt Akira Jacobs? Mm-hmm. You know, th- those kinds of things. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just mentioned that because he didn't come in until it was rubbish time yesterday. I was surprised. I, th- I thought during the game, well, maybe he will be a redshirt candidate and maybe they'll keep him out of the game. So I don't know if Iran's thinking that way, but if you are, it, it wouldn't make sense to play him for a minute and a half. Uh, exactly is what he played a minute and a half of the game. Took that one three that went in and out. But I was a little surprised that if he didn't play earlier, that he played just that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think that's what it is. Kind of like, okay, we're kind of a work in progress, maybe a little sloppy in the beginning, but, you know, we'll, we'll get it. Yeah, they're we'll not a finished it. product yet, but I think with so much experience from last year, it's not like they're starting anew like some teams might. Oh, this is from Kimo. Kimo goes on to say, Hiram Thompson was a point guard who played under Nash and ended with Gib mm. Arnold. Okay. I don't, I don't remember him. I guess I didn't want to take a selfie with him. Uh, here's one for you, Gary. Gary, team looks good last night. Chris is right. Okay, Gary, team looks good last night. What do you know about Niagara? Well, it's a big waterfall in western New York. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. If people think. Uh, okay, I, wait, yeah. wait, wait. Let me finish. What do you think about Niagara? And uh, that's from Marvin and Klee. Yeah, people think I would know them because they're from New York, but they're way no. Upstate. They think they think you would know them because you're the guru on college basketball. Okay, well, here's what I know about them. They played Notre Dame last week, and I think they only lost by three or four. That is maybe an eye opener. But the, in the magazine that I have, Lindy's, I guess they were picked 11th out of 12th in the MAC conference, Mid-Atlantic American Conference. So. I'd rather play Hilo again then. <laughs> right on, man. That was a, that was a, that was fun to watch. Basketball season is here. It's uh, 732 with the animals here. This is ESPN Honolulu. Once again, weather-wise, uh, look outside. That's what we're getting for today. Windy and cloudy, L-O-V-E. Love it. Uh, also want to let you know that, um, well, it's, it's Wednesday, but it's never too early to have a Kahala Friday. We like to call it a Kahala Wednesday, as uh, you know, we like to wear our brand new uh, Aloha wear from Kahala. And in fact, you want to get involved in that. You can upgrade your island style with Kahala, the original Aloha shirt since 1936. Get one for yourself at one of their six stores island wide or at Kahala.com. Be right back with Nate Kreckman. Hey, looking to catch UH football or the NFL, uh, you can catch all NFL games at 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar right there at Leeward Bowl in the Pearl City Shopping Center. Uh, you can shoot pool, play darts, and watch the uh, the huge new video wall. Make that your NFL headquarters. 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar. And I know they have college football as well. Let's talk some Mountain West football right now as we are joined now on ESPN Honolulu. He is the host of the really good, great podcast, I should say, the official Mountain West football podcast. Back with us, Nate Kreckman. Nate, great to have you on again. 
Yeah, I think let's cap out at really good. I, great is too much pressure for me. <laughs> well, we know you can live up to that. So uh, we're going to talk to Mountain West football. Let's start with a team that's very close to our hearts, I'm sure for you as well. But now for the first time this season, we can talk about the University of Hawaii football team and a winning streak. It's two games, but they have played well the last couple of games. No, they really have. Uh, they got their first opening drive touchdown of the week last week against Air Force. They forced a bunch of turnovers. They, you know, had had a great touchdown from the goal line right before the end of the half. I was glad to see Timmy Chang go for that right there. Um, Air Force is kind of going in the wrong direction right now. And, uh, look, this is what you want, you know, out of Timmy Chang here in year number two is you want to see a team that is getting better, that's playing its best football by the end of their first year. Um, and I think that's the direction that they're going in right now. You guys should be excited. Oh, we definitely are, especially after the Air Force win with the way they came in undefeated in conference. What have you noticed as far as some of the action on the field with what Hawaii has done lately compared to early this season that is maybe really critical for this turnaround? Well, I, I mean, I think a huge part of it has just been guys getting more comfortable in this system, in this run-and-shoot system. You know, Braden Shager is a guy, and I talked to Timmy Chang about this last week, you know, Shager is a guy that when you can keep him upright, he has taken so many sacks this season, but when you can keep him upright, he's a really good and dynamic playmaker. And um, it, you just, you've seen that out of him all year long. Ashlock has been a revelation for this team. He's absolutely in the conversation for the conference player of the year. And, uh, and, and again, defensively, you know, you've allowed 27 points over the last two games. Now, I know one of those games is, is Nevada, but still, being able to do that against Air Force, even as banged up as that group is, that's something to hang your hat on right there. So it's been really nice to see this team get better over the course of the season. But, yeah, I, I think the big thing is keep your quarterback on his feet, and that guy can make some plays. We are talking Mountain West football with the host of the official Mountain West football podcast, Nate Kreckman, here on ESPN Honolulu. This week, UNLV will play Air Force, the top two teams in the conference right now tied at 5-1 and one in league play. The winner will be in the Mountain West football championship game. We know that. Do you think it'll be a rematch of what we see this Saturday? Because there's a whole bunch of other teams with only two games left that have a chance to get there as well. Yeah, no, this thing is absolutely wild here down the stretch. There's five teams. Uh, within a game of first place in this conference. Right now, UNLV is hot. They're, they look like they're playing the best football of anybody in this conference. I think you could have made a case for Fresno State, but then last week they just get their doors blown off by San Jose State, which is the other team that I would say is playing their best football at this time of year. I mean, they've won four in a row. It should be five in a row because they blew a 20-point lead against Boise State. Um, San Jose State is is absolutely on a roll right now. I, it's a toss up. I don't know who's going to be there. I, you know, UNLV is playing great, but now they got to go on the road and they got to win at Air Force. That is a really, really tough place to go and get a victory. But they got a freshman quarterback in Jaden Maiava who's playing out of his mind right now. Ricky White's had a huge season. Uh, this, this UNLV thing—they're they're the story of the year in the Mountain West Conference and. I should tell you guys this, actually. This is sort of fun. So at, at media day this year, uh, some of the buzz was about the preseason media poll. And UNLV was picked to finish ninth in the Mountain West. But it was interesting because one voter voted them to finish in first in the Mountain West. And 
a couple of reporters, including my buddy Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal, they start sniffing around. Who was who was the guy that voted UNLV number one? What's wrong with this guy? Well, it turned out to be my fellow podcast host Matt Neverett, um, who made that vote, and he calls a bunch of UNLV games, and he sees the program up close, and he just said, "Look, I, I think they're improving. I think they got a good coach in Barry Odom. They're." They're going in the right direction. They got a good veteran quarterback returning. Even with his injury, here this UNLV team is at eight and two, and there was one dude, one dude in the country that believed in UNLV football before the start of the year. You guys should get him on the show. Go call Matt Neverett. He knows about the Rebels. Yeah, as you mm-hmm. said that, I vaguely remember that in the summer. We were all like, why would anybody do that? That's got to be kind of crazy. But right. now it's looking like a really smart pick. And UNLV played Michigan in early September, I believe. And they lost, of course, but it wasn't that much of a blowout. I think it was by 14, 18 points somewhere in there. It wasn't that decisive as you might expect. Maybe that was a sign of things to come. Well, it was a 28-point game. And you have to assume with the Connor Stallions factor in there, like really UNLV, I think, should have been able to stay Within 14 points, it's just Michigan knew all their signs. Nate Kreckman, <laughs> the official Mountain West football podcast, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. Yeah, but I'm not sure if we saw Connor Stallions on the sidelines, maybe uh, wearing a UNLV hat or something like that. But yeah, that's just a good like one. There. Yeah, yeah. So okay, let's go back to the standings for a second. I, I mean, I don't have the schedule in front of me. I know some of the schedules, but who do you think? Again, it could be UNLV and Air Force in a rematch in a few weeks. But based on the schedules, who do you think might be the other team that you really we really should keep our eyes on of those five that have a chance to go to the championship again like don't ignore san jose state right now they get a home date against san diego state this week the Aztecs are struggling mightily uh the coach just announced that he is retiring like san jose state is is rolling coming off of blowing out fresno state and then they finish on the road at unlv if the rebels win at air force who knows maybe you catch them on a letdown and San Jose State could win their way into that game. Right now, that, that's going to be my dark horse pick for the Mountain West Championship game. I'm saying UNLV and San Jose State the rest of the way. Air Force, they've had a great year, but they've gotten so banged up. Injuries to Larrier and, and Michelle, like they are just so banged up on the offensive side of the ball. They've gotten nicked up defensively as well. I don't know if Air Force is going to be able to close it out. It kind of looks like that team ran out of gas. Um, so I'm right now I'm looking at the two teams that are playing the best football in the league. That's the Rebels and the Spartans. And Hawaii. Uh, now, you mentioned uh, San Diego State. Uh, Brady Hoke announced that he is resigning. They've had a really tough year. So we heard that the other day over the weekend. I was a little more surprised that Boise State is letting go of their coach, especially when they have a chance to go to the Mountain West Championship game. I know 5-5 five and five is not typical for them, but that was the timing of that was rather strange knowing what they have in front of them. Yeah, it's, I mean, the conversation that's come out of Boise since the firing of Andy Avalos has been interesting. Um, you know, word of some internal discord within the program. There was, you know, Eric McAllister, their good young receiver, announced that he was entering the transfer portal, and that raised a lot of eyebrows for people around that program. Um, Boise State has just sort of been disheveled here over the last couple of years, and they need to make a really good hire right here to stabilize this program up. Um, timing was weird. You don't often see a coach get fired the morning after a you know, a 28-point win like they had just beaten New Mexico. But it sounds like that conversation had sort of been in the works for a while and was, the situation was coming to a head, and Andy Avalos was shown the door. It's too bad. I thought he was a good coach. 
and, and a guy that I always enjoyed interacting with. I really liked Andy Avalos. We got to see what they do for a hire now. Do you think there are any other coaches on the hot seat as we get ready to close out the conference season? Oh man, it, it's I don't I don't want to be the angel of death standing in the doorway <laughs> for for anybody around this conference, but uh, I would say Danny Gonzalez in New Mexico should uh, should certainly be thinking about that. He made a bold proclamation about his team uh, guaranteeing bowl eligibility earlier in the season. Well. They're three and seven right now, so I think that that is something that you know the situation that everybody should absolutely be keeping an eye on. Um, you know, with Jeff Tedford at Fresno State, it, it's you know it's always sort of a year-to-year proposition with Tedford. You know, when I talked to him last media day, he talked about how much he's enjoying coaching football right now, uh, but he's getting up there a little bit. You never really know. I don't see Nevada making a move away from Ken Wilson. I, I think that that thing is still rebuilding right now and Wilson's a Reno guy so I I don't see him going anywhere right now that's kind of what I see in terms of the movement and unless the other thing that could happen is I could see a world where a power five job came calling for either a Brent Brendan or or heck what Barry Odom did this year at UNLV somebody Uh, could be ringing his phone right now I hope they do really quickly (laughs) it's gonna be a fun two weeks to see how this plays out to see who actually does play in the championship everybody take a listen to the official mountain west football podcast hosted by nate kreckman nate thank you again for joining us we always love talking mountain west football with you anytime guys thank you all right right, that's, that's the man he's the man he's the mount rushmore all by himself when it comes to mountain west football check out the podcast once again the official mountain west football podcast this is ESPN Honolulu. I want to get in. We got to get in some Rainbow Wahine volleyball. They got a big weekend. Their last home stand coming up this weekend at Simplify Arena at the Stan Sheriff Center. We'll get into that. In fact, you know what? Let's get ready for volleyball. Let's give away a couple of tickets right now this second. If you're caller number four at 808 296 1420, caller number four gets two tickets to UH versus San Diego Friday night. At the arena. Call in now and win with ESPN Honolulu. Uh, While folks are doing that, before we get another traffic update here, uh, something very special is uh, coming to town in a couple of days. It's Our Planet Live at Hawaii Theater. Now, they've got the 17th is what, Friday? Friday. Yes. Friday, they've got a 7.30 show, and Saturday, a 1 p.m. matinee. It's a unique natural history live experience. It's based off of the Netflix documentary series of the same name. Now, in this, you have this huge, large projection screen presenting incredible cinematography of our planet. They've got great lighting, and then they have a uh, onstage 18-piece orchestra playing, visual and sound effects, on-screen narration by David Attenborough and William Shatner. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience happening Friday and Saturday at Hawaii Theater. So uh, you can get your tickets right now at hawaiitheater.com. We'll be right back with our winner.
Hey, I want to say thank you to Tanner Hayworth. Always doing a great job. Thank you, Tanner. We appreciate you. Uh, congratulations to Nate from Waianae. Uh, just got, uh, he was caller number four, got himself some tickets to Rainbow Wakine Volleyball uh, happening uh, uh, Friday against San Diego. Hot ticket. And and are we going to have other tickets to give away? I, do we have basketball tickets? I think we're working on that. Yes, we are working on that, and I believe we will. We'll confirm that hopefully shortly for tomorrow. All right. Uh, I've got some breaking news. I've worked out an interview with Timmy Chang. <laughs> <laughs> it's got inside joke. Gary's been working on getting Coach Timmy on the show, and I guess you got confirmation he'll be on sometime tomorrow maybe? Yeah, I'll work out the time after we wrap it up today. So we're going to have a real full show tomorrow. Timmy Chang will join us. Also, Kahuku's head football coach, Sterling Cavalli, will join us as well. All right. Very good. And more. Hey. Really? Who else? Uh, we'll have Tiff Wells talking volleyball, of course, and we'll get a heads up on Wyoming. Their beat writer from Casper, Wyoming, will be joining us tomorrow as well. Oh, okay. That'll be fun. Now, you're filling in for uh, Bobby Curran while he's on the mainland. Yes. A- a- anybody in the 6 o'clock hour tomorrow we should wake up early for? Uh, to- well, we're going to have the Wyoming guest. Uh, the Wyoming right guy? And I-, I have to work out the time with Timmy. I just was notified that he will be joining us tomorrow, so I have to work out the time. But we will have a Wyoming guest in the first hour uh, tomorrow as well. Very cool. All right. It's uh, just before 8 o'clock. Uh, top stories coming up next here. Uh, by the way, uh, you know what? The Christmas holiday season is here. And uh, coming up, I want to let you know about Hot Holiday Toys and how you can make $2,500 just watching Christmas movies. Okay. Uh, We'll tell you about that all. So much more to come on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. By those graceful years, we were young and life was sharp and Hope you're having an awesome Wednesday. ESPN <laughs> Honolulu. We've been uh, really kind of a top stories we're tracking this morning. Hey, congratulations, uh, Bob Coolin. Uh, I guess officially signed his class for not this season, but next season. Five out of the six uh, 225 softball signees from the West Side. We've got ones from, well, we have uh, Keani Taylor Soller, who's a pitcher and an outfielder from. She's from Mililani. She goes to Kamehameha. Uh, also, uh, you got Kapole, Mililani, and Campbell represented uh, with uh, players coming to the University of Hawaii. And one mainlander, Kennedy Thompson, uh, an outfielder from California. But uh, check out the info, hawaiiathletics.com, if you are a softball fan. Way to go, Coolin. Can we get Lori Santi on our show? Yeah. I like her. We will. Right. How did that, oh, now I understand the connection from Coolin to Lori Santi. Now I get it. Right. If, she, if, you're, if, if Lori Santi likes you, she won't call you by your first name. Something like that. Kind of a uh, sign anyway. of respect, actually, isn't it? I wonder what the, the does, if, if she, obviously she likes her husband. Does she be like, hey, Santi. He's like, what, Santi? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question, right? How does that work? All right. Way to go, Coach Cool. Uh, Rainbow Warrior basketball, they win against uh, 
pretty good UH Hilo Vulcan team last night at the stand. What was the final score? 82 to 66 was the final. Hawaii was up by 12 at the half and did a really good job in the second half. And as we've mentioned a few times, UH Hilo, uh, no slouch themselves. They showed up, they played hard, and I hope they have a good season by the looks of things last night. They should. Okay, also, uh, we didn't get a chance to uh, highlight the bottom 10. It's something we like to do when Hawaii's not in it. Because we were in it a lot last year, right? And early this year. I wonder year. if we were in the bottom 10 this year at Oh, all. we were. Oh, we were? Yeah, I remember. I forget how Probably they... after San Jose State. Actually, I, 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 I didn't check that week, but I think in September uh, we were. Well, I mean, look, we played in September. True, true. But anyway, so if you're number one in the bottom 10, does that mean you're the 10th worst team or you're the worst team? I thought you were the worst team. You're the top of the bottom 10. Okay. Which is not so what you want to go- be. Okay. Okay, so number 10. Wow, how fast these guys have fallen. At 3-7, and seven, uh, Arkansas. I don't know why that's a funny name, but Arkansas will look like a table saw. Arkansas. I think they were expected to finally start showing signs of improvement, and they are brought I me mean, three and seven. Is not good. Yeah, they're in a tough conference, of course, but they are going the wrong in the wrong direction. <laughs> instead, San Diego State. Instead of San Diego State, they call them San Diego State Stank. <laughs> wow. Uh, they. I mean, it's incredible how fast they have fallen. Not only are they struggling on the field, one in five in the conference, but their stadium. I've been reading more about their stadium and how fans aren't showing up. It's really oh really hot. yeah they're well maybe they're like they're okay in the in the span of three weeks they've lost to Utah State Nevada mm. and their coach retires. I mean that's a quick three weeks. It's like well, you get whiplash. And I think Brady Hoke was either given a choice to resign, retire, or maybe get terminated. I mean that'd fired. be stupid. That'd be stupid. Well, they're struggling, and I think they just probably want to go in a new direction. But attendance has been really down there, and part of the reason they say is that it's really hot there. It wasn't built to have any area, enough areas of shade. Students aren't showing up on Saturday nights. And I saw a picture oh. two weeks ago. It looked like um, it looked like. T.C. Ching at a few games this year where there were less than 10,000 fans in a 36,000-seat stadium. Really new, really nice, but it hasn't worked out for them yet. Wait, didn't a bunch of our legislature go over to tour Snapdragon yes. Stadium to get yes. an idea of what we want over here? Yes, except for the attendance. Maybe everything else is good, but from Well, what I I'm mean, reading. if you say there's no shade, uh, maybe that's something you take into effect. Yes. Um and then the Saturday let, afternoon games, I've heard there were students the and other fans were just hanging out outside and not going in as early as you'd like. All right, number eight. As as the countdown continues, and we're not going to stop till we get to number one. Not Nevada, but Novada. The Wolf Pack. The Nevada Wolf Pack. Number eight. You know what's sad about the last two teams you mentioned? Well, sad for them, of course, is that both teams. They're the Mountain only, West? Well, their only conference win for both eight and nine are versus Hawaii. Ah, great. Thanks, Gary. Chubby well, no, actually, not Nevada. I shouldn't say Nevada. It was actually New Mexico and San Diego State. Excuse me. Okay, number seven. Uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Panthers are so bad, they're referred to as the pit and the pendulum. Eh, I don't get it. Move on. Oh, here's one. These guys are always here. Akron. They're called Acrimonious. <laughs> They're labeled as Acrimonious at number six. At number five, wow, what happened to – why are – okay, at number five, they have Oklahoma State. 
they had a really bad loss. I think, again, part of this is in jest, this list, but they talk about teams that are supposed to be better and are really struggling for whatever reason, as opposed to being the 10 worst teams. These are teams that are in the bottom 10 because they really haven't held up their end of the bargain, so to speak. Okay. Okay. So they, uh, because they're seven and three. It's like they, instead of the because uh, they're called the the um, Cowboys, right? Oklahoma State yeah. Cowboys. So a nickname for a cowboy is a cowpoke. Yeah. And uh, so they call them Pokes Iman. Yeah, I think they lost to Texas Tech. Uh, they had a, it might not have been Texas Tech, but it was a bad loss for them last week. But I thought Texas Tech was pretty good this year. Yeah, they might have beaten Kansas, but Oklahoma State got upset, and it was a bad loss for them in conference. I think that's why they're on the list this week. They probably weren't on it a week or two ago. Oh, no, this is horrible. Who, you know who's number four? Van Duh built commode doors. I can understand. Vanderbilt, wow. Two wins. And one against Hawaii. Zero in the SEC. So I can understand. They're the Vanderbilt we remember. All right. Uh, number uh, number three is UNLM. I don't, I don't know. Louisiana Monroe. Yeah, okay. Uh, number two, the classic. They're in there every year. Instead of UConn, you can't. Last year they were good, remember. I think they made a bowl game, in fact. But this year they're back wow. to the UConn we remember in recent years. So you years. can't. Yeah, yes. they only won one game this year. Wow, I guess it was at all seniors or something. And they've been, I don't know, they've been getting blown out in a lot of these games as well. They're not looking good, so I can understand them being high up there. All right. Kent, State of Kent. I don't understand why that's funny, but Kent State, I guess, is really, really bad this year. They're and they're number one? They're number one on the list. What is their record, does it say? One and nine. One and nine. That'll do it. Yeah. They're they're number one, and that's your countdown. <laughs> you have any requests? You take requests? Keep, you know. Keep, hey, you know what? We should do. We want to do shout-outs. If anyone wants a shout-out to somebody, we were doing that before. It was very popular. Uh, text <laughs> in the Zephyr Insurance text line, 808-296-1420. Uh, give shout-outs. It's um, nine minutes after the hour, and... We have Mark Veneri joining us in a few minutes. I'm going to give a shout-out, and I know what you might respond with, but I think it is deserved. Uh, UC Irvine, the Anteaters in men's basketball. I know we're not fans of Russ Turner. They went on the road, not much of a road trip. They beat USC at USC last night. Wow. That's I a big win. I was listening to the game, and I heard them mention that they were in the lead. Uh, that's going to be only be worse. Okay, if like they have all this hope, like, hey, we're USC – and they, that Russell Turner guy is going to be twice as loud and twice as obnoxious when he comes to the stand. Hopefully he'll be very loud at the end of the game because he'll be walking away with a loss, and that makes him louder and right. more obnoxious. That that's makes what the it hope all is. The yeah. yeah, get your popcorn ready, Russell Turner. <laughs> but, but that's Here a big win come. for them. That's a big win for the conference, actually, too. Good. I'm glad. Good for him. Can't be happy for that guy. I know. In a sports way. Yeah, I know. Now, he probably has kids and a nice wife, and we root for them. But you're, you're – Daddy's kind of a jerk. He can be, but, I mean, he's had a good program, and, that, again, that was Daddy's a big a good, win. He's a good coach, no matter yeah, you know, yeah. what you say. All right, let's uh, go to the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, <laughs> this is out of the blue, but thank you for texting in. Too bad about Deshaun Watson. Maybe just karma for Cleveland looks awful. He's out for the year. We haven't announced that yet, but he's got a fractured shoulder, and he's out for this season. They say they're hoping he'll be ready for next year, but with a guaranteed contract, he's not missing any money, but that does not look like a good signing as far as the signing for the fully guaranteed contract. You know what? He's actually been playing pretty well. Maybe not the 5,000-yard season that he had with the Texans a few years ago, but he has been playing well, and they've got a great defense. Uh, But, yeah, he is done now. So They have perhaps the number one defense. 
They've got, in my mind, the best offensive line in uh, in the. I was going to say in the country. Well, probably better than any college offensive line too. <laughs> best best offensive line in the country. Uh, Nick Chubb is hurt, correct? Yeah, they've got. Yeah, all. but you know what? So look, Nick Chubb gets hurt. They still have a great rushing game, yeah. partially because of that offensive line. Yeah, yeah. They got Amari Cooper. They've got weapons. All they need is a great quarterback. You know what? I mean, get a game manager in there for crying out loud. I mean, there's what are they six and three? They're in the hunt still. Yeah, they'd be a playoff team as of right now. They had that comeback win over Baltimore in Baltimore on Sunday, which was big for them. So uh, I don't know if too many people are feeling bad for him. Obviously, for off the field issues, and he still gets his money. But that is big NFL news. That really could curtail their season as far as being a playoff team. Now your Steelers have a better chance at six and three. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the Steelers are—they're gonna—they don't have an offensive line. They don't, they don't have an seem offense. like a playoff team, do they? No offense to our Hawaii brothers on the offensive line, but uh, they got to pick up their offensive line play. Um, here's a text regarding Hawaii basketball last night. There's a couple of them, but it's good texts from the three four seven. Noel 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 Coleman, meaning, has the speed, size, and agility to guard the athletic guards in the conference. Munoz doesn't have the lateral quickness on defense noticing that in both games he cannot stay with the quick guards and they go right by him he's had multiple acl surgeries and achilles surgery so his minutes should be monitored he's injury prone what do you think about that well text? i don't think he's expected to be a hundred percent maybe he never will be and as iran has mentioned a few times you know they're going to monitor his minutes so i don't think what we see in him now for juan muñoz is what we're expecting to see in january as long as he stays healthy so i think he'll improve with his stamina and all those things you mentioned but you know nothing against noel coleman because i love the guy but he got beat a couple of times too last night nothing wrong with that guards are going to do that you get a little step and you don't want to co uh, commit a foul so you're going to let that guy get a little bit of that angle but uh I think Noel is a good defensive player, but I think Juan Munoz, again, he doesn't have the size of Noel Coleman, but I think he'll be okay. You know, when Munoz was out there, and, and, and it's, it's almost like, okay, he said this two days in a row, uh, because Noel Coleman said he needs to move, he needs to play better running around without the ball, or whatever, however yeah. you put it, I can't remember. But you know what? That's what I noticed in Juan Munoz is watching that guy on the court without the ball I mean, he just looks so comfortable about there. Like, he's been playing for UH for years. One thing about uh, Juan I discovered yesterday when getting ready for the game is this is year number eight in college basketball for Juan right. Munoz. There's one other player in the country that is in his eighth year as well. But that's crazy. You could go. You could finish medical school. I would say his you kids I mean? might be ready for high school pretty soon, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, you could get, a, you know, the, the, the four-year scholarship is now eight. How long does it take to get through medical school? At least eight, I think, right? Something like that. I, who's, you're asking the wrong <laughs> yeah, guy. I guess so, right. Yeah, me too. Or a regular degree for Tanner Hayworth. Just joking, Tanner! <laughs> What's Tanner doing? Is he mad? Um, he's texting our boss saying something. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, texter also says, Beatty was in beast mode. Yeah, let's call him Beastie. Beastie was in beast mode last night. More fans need to show up as this team will be special this year. More sec. Jacobs, Harry is the front court, Coleman and Vaughn to be the back court. What do you think? No, you're not going to have Akira Jacobs start over Justin McCoy. 
Um, and again, I, I think Akira Jacobs will be fine. It looks like the guy, know, again, he won't redshirt, I guess, but Justin McCoy showed that he is definitely their, one of their main players, if not the main guy. And he can be yeah. a go to scorer, and he you definitely deserves to start. We didn't give him any love. We didn't give him any love at all. You did uh, in the, in the early, six o'clock yeah, hour, you yeah. were filling in for Bobby. Yeah. I, I didn't, I, you know what? But it's almost like it goes without saying. Uh, he's the best player on the team. Unarguably, the best player on the team. I, I, not that I don't agree, but I kind of do. But I think what he does have going for him, he seems to be the one player who will be able to create his own shot almost any time he needs to. Right. Uh, like, I mean, the guy brought up Noel Coleman in the previous tech. Noel Coleman at times when he's when he's guarded really tight, it's hard for him to get off a shot because they're covering him so close because he's the leading scorer. McCoy, I think, will be able to get off that shot whether it's inside or outside. He had the nice three pointer, got the nice touch, got some size, he's got some strength. Yeah, I think he will be maybe being that go to guy. And I think you have Giovanna can do things in that situation and others, right. but he seems to be the constant. I think he will be that player. Okay, but I, 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 you can say what I just said without hurting anybody's feelings. I don't mean anything against Jovan McClanahan or Noel Coleman or anybody else on that team. But, I mean, I mean, the, I, gosh, I think the future of this team is, is Beastie, Tom Beastie. <laughs> or Beastie, but, yeah. Well, that's his nickname. I'm I know, giving him I a know. nickname. Come okay. on. He has, he has shiny I'm shoes. Making sure. <laughs> Play along. You know, again, really, ad- really adept. you got two things going against you. You need some kind of marketing person. Harry R. No. Harry no. and really adept. You know, it doesn't fear, strike fear in the opponents. First of all, get a mohawk, grow a beard, and if you can. And uh, <laughs> let's go out there. Anyway, no, but Justin McCoy, the guy – by, by us saying that he's the best player on the team, that's not to slight anybody. Sure. That's to create excitement. That's the, is, is he the next Noah Allen or even better than Noah Allen? This guy is going to take the league by storm. It, it, you know what? He was the only guy last night when you watch him play. You know, you still had McClanahan fighting to get to the rim. and He's super talented. He's strong. He's a full-grown man. I get it. Justin McCoy looks like he was just taking it easy last night. It really did. The game was at a different speed to McCoy. That I agree. That last statement, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think he's going to be special. Uh, and you, you get even well, you, if you don't look at the numbers, however you want to judge, though, you can see with your eye test that he is a legitimate starter, a legitimate main player for this team and in this league. I agree with you. Okay, uh, before we uh, go to uh, check our traffic and bring on uh, – Mark Venary. Uh, we'll get back to UH football coming up next year. Oh, also, we got high school football uh, semifinals coming up in the uh, First Hawaiian Bank HHSAA state tournament coming up this weekend. Uh, but this is a real quick one. It says, Oh, this is from Eddie. Hi, Eddie. Off subject, but when is the 2024 UH baseball non conference schedule going to be released? I don't know. We can check. And I believe that some of their opponents have already been named. I would, uh, you know what, check in if you can, Eddie, later on this afternoon. Check in with Josh Pacheco, yeah. uh, Rainbow Baseball voice here. He might have a better idea. But I just wanted to get that out for uh, our loyal friend there. All right, 18 minutes after the hour here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, weather today is going to be uh, just like it is, kind of windy, a little cloudy, but really, really nice today. Enjoy it if you can. Uh, have Simon for lunch. Oh, it's going to taste good. All right, hey, how would you like to win $1,000 cash just in time for Christmas? 
We give away weekly $100 gift certificates as well. All you do is go to ESPNHonolulu.com and register to play Pigskin Picks. I used to be really good at that game. Anyway, uh, Pigskin Picks is brought to you by Young's Fish Market and the good folks at M. Dyer Global. Check it out and win with ESPN Honolulu. We're going to talk some more University of Hawaii football. They are on the road getting ready for Wyoming. Joining us now on ESPN Honolulu, our analyst for every UH football game, Mark Veneri joins us. Mark, great to have you on again. And again, we said this last week talking about the Nevada game, how great that was for Hawaii. I think after Air Force, people are feeling even better about that win. And I heard you talking about it with John at the end of the broadcast, their biggest win in quite a long time. Well, you know, Gary, uh, nothing like to start off the morning, by the way, with a little mafefe, you know, just getting, getting that good vibe feeling. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, there's nothing like it, so I appreciate that song and that energy. Don't you, don't you think of, like, Coach Rolo when you hear that for whatever reason? Right? I, I do, and a funny story with that is that every time we're out at, like, an event, my punahou friends, like, always want me to dance. I have no idea how to do any dancing whatsoever. And I just end up dancing. It's just like one of my go-to songs. So I'm smiling <laughs> because with that, and then of course, University of Hawaii biggest, you know, biggest win. Like you guys said, biggest win um, since that Fresno State victory um, when Fresno State came in and ranked 19th in the country um, against you know one of the best rushing attack in the country. So you know, with Hawaii playing, I, I if it's a light bulb switch, if, if it's something that that really just got ignited with this team. Um, I, I don't know what it, it is, so to say, if that light bulb did switch come on for these guys. Um, you know, I just love the way they're playing. Like, you, you look at – now you start playing the what-ifs games in my head. I'm kind of like a what-if guy. Okay, you, you beat San Diego State. You, you open up with Vandy the way they played. You go back and do the redo against New Mexico. Um, it's – you know, this is, I've been saying this all along. I've always felt that this team was better than three wins. Like, just I, I also think they got healthy on the defensive line front. Ezra Ivan Malo is an absolute uh, a beast, and I, and I love it. And Elijah Robinson played defense end. I've heard nothing but good things uh, from him. The East Carolina transfer has been tremendous at defensive end as well, filling in for winning Hopefully, um, I, I just think overall. This team has found a little magic in the last couple of games, and you just hope that continues heading into Wyoming. It's incredible when you look at how they have plugged in guys for injured players all year long or transfer portal players and really not missed a beat on both sides. I think it's a true testament to the coaching staff and recruiting. But I want to start also, Mark, with asking you about the defense. We've talked so much about the offense from last Saturday. What was different on defense? Because I know you and John talked about it before the game, about stopping the option. They didn't stop it, but they did slow it down. And overall, a really good defensive game for Hawaii. And and, and I also say one of the keys to the game would be the final possession battle. How much, um, how, how much one you can keep that Air Force offense off the field. They're going to run the ball. Regardless, they're gonna get they're gonna get yards, you know. But to hold them to, I think it was about 211 yards, right around that realm, right around right around that mark. That's not a lot in terms when you're rushing the ball every single down. The time of possession was split evenly down the middle. But if you look at it, it's tail of quarters, right? If if you if if you really glance at it, the first quarter was dominated by Hawaii. 
with 11 minutes. And then you look at the second quarter, Air Force dominated the time possession. And then Air Force kind of, uh, kind of, uh, it was an even third quarter. Hawaii had more um, opportunities in the fourth, I, I think. But Air Force dominated the fourth quarter due to the fact that Hawaii turned the ball over four times. Now, if you go back to Nevada, and we're talking about the defense, right, Gary? So if we're going back to Nevada, Hawaii got aggressive on defense. And a lot of people have been calling for that uh, for quite some time from, you know, co- the co-defensive coordinators and Coach Jacob Yoro and Etienne. Like, just, it just was aggressive. An aggressive style defense where you're playing man coverage on the back end and you're showing a lot of pressure up front. Hawaii started doing that, and then you saw the defensive line being able to get pressure and get sacked. And then you see, you see our linebackers getting home. And that, in terms, when you put pressure up front, you know, you, you stop the run game, and then you force people to pass, where our back-end coverage is, you know, in the top 40 in the country when it's in, in terms of pass defense. So that works in the strength of Hawaii. So you look at that, and then you flip it to Air Force. I, I just think the physicality of the game, and I, I know, Chris, you heard this from me too as well. I thought this played into the hands of Nicky Pei and Peter Manuma. They are physical safeties. They like to come down and hit you. And I said, well, if Mekki Pei and, and uh, Peter Monoma, if they had a big game, I don't think Air Force was going to win. And people are like, well, they're 20-point favorites. They're, you know, the number one rushing attack. And I said, nah, this plays into the hands of these two safeties. And they play tremendous games. And then you add into the, the front. I think it was personal for Hawaii where people were like, yeah, well, maybe we'll win, but more than likely not. You know, I think they took it personal. And I said, and I thought if they could be physical, which they were, and they got physical um, from the safeties because they needed to come down and play the box. Uh, they played a tremendous game. And, and Peter, hats off to Peter Bonoma, defensive player of the week in the Mountain West, uh, played a tremendous game in Hawaii's defense, forcing four turnovers. I mean, right. that's six in two consecutive weeks. You know, the uh, what, what, what I was mentioning is, you know, kind of what you you said in this game is this was perfect for uh, Pei and Manuma. But this is a game where you could see and watching replays, because I know you guys have replays in the booth and stuff like that. Nobody played hero ball. So as the play is getting strung out, you're seeing Jalen Smith take on his block, knowing that Manu Ma is behind him and he's going to make the tackle. So he's taking on the block, not trying to shug the guy off and make the tackle at the same time. And it's just everyone did their job. And that's why this was the best performance against uh, a military academy in the last 12 years or whatever it was when Dave Aranda was around. I mean, this was a great performance. I heard Coach Timmy last night. I think it was on one of the news stations. I think it was Channel 2. That's usually the one I watch. But um, he was saying that, you know, what clicked for these guys? What What's going on? He said, you know what? They finally decided to play for each other. And that's what you saw in the Air Force game by nobody playing hero ball Hey, it's like, you know what, brother? I got your back. I'll take the block. You make the tackle. We got to see that live and in person. I think it's what's transformed this team. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more, um, Chris. I think you put the nail on the head with that. And if you go back to the three keys, and we kept saying this throughout the broadcast, was dive, quarterback, pitch. And mm. those three responsibilities uh, lie within a whole 11-man defense. So you got the defensive tackles doing their job in the middle to stop that uh, stop that rushing attack. Remember, there was not a single guy from the Air Force Academy that was over 100 yards in that game. 
The only one closest to it was the fullback. I think he got 82 yards on the ground. So that is a tremendous win in itself, too, as well. But you got the dive. Defensive half was the rotation. I thought Sauce Williams, Kuhau Pehofa, um, uh, John Tuitupo, you know, a Toy played tremendously in the middle. And then you talk about the unselfish play from the backers at Noah Kemma, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Tufonga, recognizing, hey, they got responsibility as a quarterback, stringing out the offense, and, and they got to they gotta take outside contain a lot because, you know, the, the option, they're going to head to that outside to pitch. And then having the pitch accountability with the corners coming down, getting that relationship. You talk about everything synchronizing together and playing unselfish football. I do want to mention this. I think we, I think Hunter touched on it uh, during halftime. This was, a, this was a player-led halftime. So there was no coaches in the locker room. They were outside, you know, as the coaches were meeting together. But the player, it was a player-led halftime, meaning that these players got together by themselves and made sure that they were accountable for each other. And when you start playing for each other and you hold each other accountable, that makes a dangerous football team. And, and I think, uh, and look, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but when you have accountability in your locker room and you have people buying in, and, you know, the saying of better late than never, I, I guess, applies in this. But at the same time, you wonder if accountability was happening on earlier. But that, the fact that it came out right around now at one of the best performances of the year, um, you just hope in the next two games, you're, you're like, you, you can't help but get excited for Hawaii football. Right on. Hey, awesome. Thank you very much, Mark. Enjoy the rest of your week. We appreciate you. Thank Thanks, you. Mark. Oh, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right, that's uh, Mark Veneri there on ESPN uh, Honolulu. Uh, you know, okay, so and that was great to review. From here on out, let's put, let's look forward. Let's move forward on Wyoming, and uh, you, we'll have somebody from Wyoming on the radio tomorrow morning as we get ready for this game because it was great to celebrate. But you know, let's one, two, three snaps, and we're clear and move on to Wyoming football. Now, Wyoming is. Three and three in Mountain West play, correct? Yes, yes, they are. They're six and zero at home. That's the only thing that worries me. The only thing that worries me is they're six and zero at home, and Hawaii is one one and four on the road. Now, Hawaii has um, you know one of those ones it was uh, in a you know wins was our two game winning streak going on right now. That's another thing that Coach Timmy said on the news, and uh, he'll be joining us sometime tomorrow as well. But that's another thing he said is that he said, I don't know if you saw it, if, if you did see this, I don't want to bore you. But uh, you know what? What kind of team do you want is what he yeah. said in the beginning of the season. And they said, we want a player-led team. So I didn't know about that in the locker room, yeah. that it was a players-only. And it's not a players-only upset. It's, hey, coaches, we got this. We need to do this amongst – we need to handle this ourselves. Pretty interesting. Well, I'd Pretty love cool. to be in that locker room there, man. 834 now. We're the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. We'll check your traffic, and, uh, oh, here's an announcement to make. You can join Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes Tuesday from 3 to 6 p.m. at Maui Brewing Company in Waikiki. Maui Brewing Company. It's the official headquarters of the Allstate Maui Invitational. There'll be live music, food and drink specials. They'll have the games broadcast playing live and plenty of ice-cold Maui Brewing Company beers to choose from. Check it out Tuesday 
from ESPN Honolulu. How would you like to make $2,500 just to watch a bunch of Christmas movies? Would you like that job? Yes, yeah, sign me up. All right, well, uh, go to CableTV.com. They're on the hunt for it's a, it's a job called the Chief of Cheer. Now, your job duties would include watching 25 holiday movies in 25 days. You'll get 2500 bucks. Now, you got to provide feedback. You need to rank all the films, and then you'll also get subscriptions to seven streaming services for a year. Now, if you want the job, you have to apply by December 1st. So there you go, CableTV.com. Huh? Now, see, you have to stay awake for them all, I would assume, so that might be hard for you and I. But if we've seen them before, we can already write the reviews and give feedback right now. Why would it be hard to stay awake during a Christmas movie? Well, because you and I have a hard time staying awake for two hours of anything on TV, it seems. Why? Well, take my name out your mouth. I don't have a problem. You admit awake. that all the time. Well, I got so much energy. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I mean, that happens. No, I just go to bed earlier than usual. It would have to be an afternoon job for me, <laughs> not a nighttime job, right? Yeah. It's 840 here. This is ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I saw this thing online. and uh, Online. I saw this. It was like at ESPN.com. Maybe it was like two days ago. But Rory McElroy, did you see that? I saw the headline, He was like yeah. yelling at Patrick Cantley's caddy, oh, a guy was, named yeah. Joe LaCava. Yeah. Now, in the past, he had a blowout with uh, Bones McKay and uh, for some reason in the parking lot. But I don't know. If you see the video, uh, 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 did you see it? I read about chance? it. I didn't see the oh, video. Okay, I read about it. The video. But, I mean, it's just like I'm getting really tired of Rory McIlroy. I know what you mean. He's just so angry all the time ever since the Live Golf Tour thing started up. And he's just like. It was like now he's yelling at Patrick Cantley because I guess Patrick Cantley was getting sick on the course, you know, like not not feeling well, not you know maybe gonna you know uh, maybe hurl right. Yeah. And then um, this is what McElroy says. So he's yelling at the, the his caddy afterwards. He says, "But when I saw he was talking about Patrick Cantley, when I saw he was getting sick on the 17th and 18th greens, I tried to quiet the crowd for him." And I don't think uh, Fitz, McElroy's partner, Matt Fitzpatrick, the guy who's playing with the McElroy, and I were afforded the same opportunity to try and hold those putts to have the match. I shook Joe's hand, uh, that's the caddy, and Patrick's hand, uh, you know, the guy. Those three putts he made on 16, 17, and 18 were fantastic, and under that pressure to give your team a glimmer of hope going into Sunday was, he says, it was big balls, so all respect to him. Then he says, there was a bit of an argy-bargy at the 18th green. I'm guessing an argy-bargy is a, a situation. There was an argy-bargy at the back of the 18th green with Fred Couples and Thomas Bjorn, and that's fine. 
But as I'm walking back to the locker room, I can feel this red mist coming over me. No, that wasn't right. I don't understand what that is. How do you feel a red mist, first of all? And maybe they should have golfers do what race car drivers do. Just start fighting and, you know, duke it out and get it over with. See, but that's the problem. I mean, you know, rest in peace, A.J. Foyt, right? But at the same time, it's like he's in the – he's always – um, getting angry at press conferences now. I mean, Patrick, Rory McIlroy has become the get-off-my-lawn guy. He yeah. Really he also today he announced that he is withdrawing, he's resigning, excuse me, as the player director on the uh, policy board for the PGA. That's where I thought you were going to start with, but I read the, the, no. what you said. But he's also doing that. The term is supposed to be till next year. He just seems like he's not a happy camper very often. Yeah, and then you know what? Just keep it to yourself. Do us all a favor. Keep it to yourself. All right, we got to do this. Uh, got a special guest. Want to mention uh, something really cool coming up this weekend? That's on the way here on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, if you want to catch UH football uh, Saturday, Dixie Grill Barbecue and Crab Shack will be opening up early, showing the game full volume. It's a great place because it's the only place in Honolulu to catch UH football and have the, that great southern hospitality at the same time. So put some south in your mouth and catch UH football in all its glory right there at Dixie Grill Barbecue Shack and Barbecue and Crab Dixie Grill Barbecue and Crab Shack. Shout out to Joe Crockett. Anyway, uh, check it out for football, ESPN Honolulu. We'll be right back. You might have heard us last hour talking about Our Planet live in concert. And I wanted to get some more details and bring in one of the organizers. Uh, Christy Davis is joining us now. Good morning, Christy. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on this morning. Okay, so we've got a, Our Planet live. It's coming Friday and Saturday. we got a 7.30 show Friday night, uh, 1 p.m. show, a matinee show at the Hawaii Theater on Saturday if I've never seen the Netflix documentary or I've never heard of Our Planet or anything like that, tell me why I should go to this. What are we going to see? For sure. For sure. It's a, it was a five-part series on Netflix. And what the producers have done is they've taken the best parts and made it a two-hour special that we're bringing to the Hawaii Theater. So it's a unique, natural, history, live experience. So you're going to see sea turtles swimming, tree frogs leaping, tiger cubs playing, all on the big screen, um, accompanying the big screen experience. You have a live 18-piece local orchestra playing, playing this just amazing score to go along with what you're viewing. So it's a truly truly once-in-a-lifetime experience that we're bringing to Hawaii. So it's it's going to be like uh, just this, It's there's something for, you know, the, your, the audio, the visual, live music, uh, David Attenborough, William Shatner kind of doing the, the narration going the on. narration, yes, yes. Uh, folks, I've you can get that. to... Go ahead. You can get tickets at hawaiitheater.com um, for the Friday or Saturday show. I've seen bits and pieces of it. We've been in rehearsal. And let me tell you, it is truly a it's a chicken skin moment when you when you see it on the big screen. Now, if you want a VIP experience, you can uh, 
take part in that too. Tell us about that. That's right. You can make it a date night. Um, the VIP experience happens one hour prior to the show, and we've partnered with uh, Chef Ed Kenny from Mudhead Water in town, and he's providing a great selection of cuckoos and uh, cocktails provided from BMW Honolulu. So it's a great option. It's a $69 add-on, so it's really reasonable for what you're getting, and it, it just rounds out the whole evening for the match. All right. And, uh, again, so you would get those VIP tickets also at hawaiitheater.com? Exactly. So once you choose your seat that you would like, there's an add-on when you move to the next screen, and you would just click on VIP experience, and that will add on to your ticket. Wow, what a special weekend it could be. Uh, Friday, 7.30 p.m., Saturday, 1 p.m., a unique natural history live experience our planet live in concert it's specially developed uh for this it's a big screen you've got the live orchestra you've got the vip experience tickets start at 19 dollars and go on up but it is going to be an experience like christy says i guess chicken skin moments for a couple of hours huh <laughs> exactly exactly and you know just for the listeners of uh, espn we've got a 25 percent off offer so in the promo code section, use the code PLANET, and you'll get 25% off. Well, that is totally unexpected and really appreciated. <laughs> All right, hawaiitheater.com. Click, uh, you know, click on the tickets, and then in the promo code, use the promo code PLANET, Planet. and you're going to yes. save money as well. Man, anything else you want to tell the folks before we let you go, Christy? No, I think you've covered everything. You're just you're not going to want to miss this one. All right, mahalo to Hawaii News Now, BMW of Honolulu, and Southwest Airlines. Thanks, Christy. Good luck. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. All right, that's Christy Davis, one of the organizers uh, here of Our Planet, live in concert Saturday and Sunday at Hawaii Theater. That sounds like a really cool event. I'd love to see it. I'm going to see if I can fit it in my schedule, but it sounds like a really cool don't-miss kind of event to see. That'd be really nice. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, folks, check it out. Um, very good, very good. Okay. Got a couple of minutes left in the show here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, looking forward to, well, not only Saturday's football game, Thursday's basketball game. Friday, basketball for the Rainbow Wahine. Volleyball at night. We got a basketball, volleyball, doubleheader. Volleyball will be at 7 p.m., of course, against UC San Diego. At 2.30 p.m., the home season starts for Laura Beeman and her team uh, against San Francisco. And she was telling me last night that San Francisco is a really dangerous team, and they just love to run, uh, get in transition. It's going to be tough. I have heard from others that they are hopeful that Lily Wahine Kapu will be ready to play in this game on Friday. But they will be playing Friday and Sunday uh, at home. They have a nine-game homestand. Uh, Idaho on Sunday. Fullerton, Cal State Fullerton will be in town, but they are a Big West member. They're not going to be playing them uh, in this tournament, but San Francisco on Friday should be a lot of fun. And then Washington comes in the week after. I said it, uh, I think, in the 6 o'clock hour, but this is like a two-week stretch where you've got so many sporting events. You could almost spend all day and half the night at local sporting events starting, right? well, I guess you can say starting last night. I mean, you got the Maui... 
uh, All-State Maui Invitational next week. You got high school football uh, Friday and Saturday, some big games. Basketball, volleyball, you name it. Every day and, there's so much locally going and on. And that's just November. Yeah, Remember, the yeah. Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic is coming. By the way, you can get your tickets. So it's really, this is the, this holiday season is a uh, it's going to be a sportacular holiday season here in Hawaii May. Yeah, and we love it this way. Uh, again, you have to maybe you have to pick and choose which games, but there's so many to choose from, so many different sports to choose from, and uh, you wouldn't want it any other way. And uh, football won't be home this week; they will be home the week after against Colorado State. But I, I love it when we have weeks like this. It's a lot different than July and August when there's not as much locally. But now you've got your you more than your share of sporting events to choose from, and I'm just really glad that basketball is back for both the men and the women. Hopefully, they're going to have really successful seasons. Hopefully, a three-peat for women's basketball in the Big West. All right, and uh, we'll have more, of course, uh, you know, coming up in the midday and afternoon here on ESPN Honolulu. Okay, as promised, the hot holiday toys for 2023. Now, you've got nephews and nieces and things like that, and you you, you might be saying, Chris, what are the must-have toys this year? Hey, Chris. Well, according to toy... I know. Okay. According to Toy Insider, I'm guessing that's a website, what's old is new again. These are the hot toys. Furby. <laughs> I remember them. I don't remember Furby. Uh, Ninja Turtles. This is like the third go-round for Ninja Turtles. And get this. Elmo. Elmo is hot once again. Elmo. Not Back to the Future, but Back to the Past. Wow, those are some really popular yeah. gifts from way back when. Right. Also, uh, big uh, are something called Magic Mixies. Just Google it. And Crybabies. Crybabies that cry real tears. Okay, that's creepy. Might As a fun. mom, that's the last thing you want to see is Crybaby tears. But anyway, all the most popular toys, check it out at Toy Insider. Crybaby tears. But you're not getting the crybaby for the moms. You're getting it for the kids. So maybe the kid will stop crying when their new friend is. <laughs> yeah, how can you both be crying at the same time? Yeah. All right, we got to go. We'll see you tomorrow. This is ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. And, uh, well, say good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.